from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show, starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now, here's your host, Murph and Fred. Uh, uh, baseball just flew by. A long foul from Wrigley Field yesterday. Is the wind still blowing out there? Hey, Fred, how you are doing? You, are you sure it's not the ball that uh, <laughs> that Johan um, Moncada hit? Oh! Uh, just circling the world for the second time? 458 yeah. uh, feet, I believe, I read. It's funny because we never saw where it hit. We, did, we just saw it come down. Yes. We couldn't see exactly where the ball hit. Unlike Avi Garcia's homer the other day, which never came down in Tampa. I Unbelievable. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I oh, heard my about God. That. Yeah. Someone, one of the most amazing <laughs> homers I've ever seen. And uh, Mancata's homer yesterday uh, was all I kept hearing. Shrubbery. Shrubbery. Yeah. Is that in the shrub? Well, they yeah. got different layers and levels, right. like you said, of shrub. Yeah. Shrubbery. He, yeah, he picked it off his shoe tops and they just launched it. It was one of... <laughs> Um, Joe McEwing, the uh, White Sox uh, manager yesterday, oh, because yeah. uh, Ricky Renteria was suspended for a game. Uh-huh. He said he's never seen a ball hit that far yeah. at Comerica Park. So, And uh, Wrigley Field, the wind uh, was blowing. And if you look at the box score, how about that ringing double uh, off the uh, off the uh, vines? Uh, there's uh, no ivy yet. Off the, off the vines by Chris Bryant, a, a big double. Oh, it wasn't uh, off the you, uh, wall? No, that's what you could call it. I was sitting there. <laughs> I was somewhere else, and I was watching the game on my on uh, the MLB, uh, not the game itself, but just watching the breakdown pitch by pitch. And it says uh-huh. here, Chris Bryant doubles and a pop-up to yeah. first base. It says first baseman, Christian Walker. I said, how do you double on a pop-up to the first baseman? Then I went and saw it. A ball that would have been the easy fly ball to center field yeah. all of a sudden becomes a two-run hit. It was as if those guys had never played in the wind before. Ever. ever. Like, Little League, anything. Well, you know what? Now, I've been to Arizona, you know, 30-plus times as a fan for spring training, not as a working press or whatever they used to call it. And it doesn't blow a lot there unless there's something coming in. But when it does... Then you get those big, not just the dust devils, but those actual where the entire sky turns brown and here comes like an avalanche of wind and dust. But those... A lot of these guys, I guess, never played in the wind. Here's, we- where, here's where the old-timey guy comes in, in me, okay? When I used to go to ball games, mm-hmm. I didn't only see batting practice, but I saw fielding practice. Well, they would hit fly balls to the guys to see how the wind would react. But now, ah, we don't need no fielding practice. Who needs fielding practice? What the record show. Arizona could have used it, but that, uh, better for the Cubs they didn't. In the pre-show uh, love fest, uh, we don't talk about a lot of things. We're going to Right here, I, I actually texted Jesse yesterday, and it's on the yellow bed. Jesse Rogers at 10. By the way, good morning. It's Murph and Fred. Hey, we've got some Bears talk coming up. Plenty of Cubs and Sox. Some special uh, surprises. I texted Jesse. I said, I don't know what time you get there in the morning, Jesse. I said, maybe you're down in the locker room or the club. You're getting interviews. I said, see if you can find out if either team, you know, how it will feel. We got, we need more coaching. We need the coaches to get out there and have more teaching. I wonder, just what Fred, you were just saying, yeah. I can't believe, do you think the Arizona Diamondbacks or even the Cubs uh, coaches, 
Joe, Fungo Joe. He was carrying a fungo bat around all through spring training, remember? Did any of them go hit some sky-high pop-ups to these guys to let them see what was actually going to occur? Remember, it would always stop. The last thing would hit would be after the outfielders would throw the ball in and the infielders would throw the ball in, the guy would hit a pop-up so the catcher would catch it. Now, if they would have done that yesterday, (laughs) it would have landed on the screen. So the catcher would have known any ball that goes up in the air, there's a good chance it's going out of play. I was... I was talking to John McDonough once, back when he was, you know, the Cubs guy. And uh, I may I, talk to him again. I need tickets for Prague. That's and all I, bet, I was at the game, and somehow I was, you know, way in the like last row of the now they call it the lower bowl, you right. know, downstairs. And they had recently just extended or put in, I should say, those super suites that ring the uh, below yep. the upper deck. And I'm back in the last row. Oh, I know what. It might have even been like the uh, 84 playoffs, the one where Sutcliffe hit the home run in the first sure. year and they won. Left. And the wind's blowing. But I couldn't see it. There were no flags that you could view that you could from see. where I was because the new super suites cut off the flags above the scoreboard and the down the foul line, the flag. And to me, I said, John, how can I be at a ball game and not know which way the wind's blowing? I said, oh, what am I going to do, Murph? What can I do? Give me an idea. I said, the old backstop, right? Yeah. I said, you could put two flags up above that. At least I'd see. Well, no. How can you be? What's that? Bears talk. I would love to have some Bears talk. Three three two three seven seven six. If you want to jump in, what do you think, Eric? Fred, I'm getting excited. The Bears have the first pick in the first round. No. No. First Uh -uh. pick in the second round. Nope. No. 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 First pick in the third round. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. Let's go to our lads. Let's go to our guy, Dan Shonka. Dan, Murph, and Fred, you are the busiest guy in town, in the country. It's our NFL man. And he said, I got a few minutes in Chicago. Murph here, Fred there. Good morning, Mr. Shonka. How you doing? We're doing great. How busy are you right now, getting everything prepared? Well, uh, let's put it this way. If I had a cast on one leg, I'd uh, be <laughs> busier than a one-legged man at a butt-kicking contest. Oh, yeah. That'll spin you around a few times. <laughs> Fans, say hi to Dan Shaka. They'll tell us in a little bit what they got going at OurLads.com. But, Fred, you're holding something there that they are doing from OurLads, right? Yeah, besides, besides my White Sox hat after a nice win, I'm holding the scouting service OurLads draft guide. Unbelievable. This is the be- one of the best things you ever get year in and year out. It's got draft, uh, you know, it's got depth charts, it's got needs of each team, it's got the schools, it breaks down each guy, it gives them grades, it tells you basically what the guy, any mistake the guy ever made on a, on a, you know, single coverage or whatever it was. This is an awesome, awesome book between that and the newsletter. How can people get stuff? I know it's just a few days before the draft, but can they still pick up some of this stuff, Dan? Uh, absolutely, uh, Fred. I tell you what's amazing is we even get, oh, we'll probably get um, about 30 or 40 calls the day before the draft, and people pay overnight to get it. So they could order it, you know, earlier, but for some reason, uh, a, you know, a lot of people order even the day before the draft, and, and we uh, get it overnight to them. But uh, they can order now. They order today, and we'll get it out to them. 
Uh, they can order the draft guide by phoning us at 1-800-PRO-DRAFT or go online at our homepage at ourlads.com in the subscription section up there on the right. They can click on and uh, we'll get it out to them. All right, Dan, let's get serious here. The Bears, as all Bears fans, everybody pretty much knows, they made a big trade just a week or so before the season opened, and uh, Khalil Mack becomes a Bear. But now the, what do they say, the chickens come home to roost. No number one, uh, no first-round pick, no second-round pick this year. So the Bears will be picking, and uh, late, you know, of course, uh, in the third round, so does that mean that Bears fans should not be excited or interested? Uh, what do you tell a Bears fan that, you know, we don't pick until, what, maybe 20th or whatever in the, in the third round? Will there be anything still there for the Bears, be it their running back or a defensive back? We'll get to that in a moment. But in general, is this one of those drafts that everything's in the first round or two and then you're just uh, searching for scraps? No, actually, I tell you what, uh, uh, you know, uh, Murph, uh, there's, uh, there's, I, I tell you, there's going to be running backs in that area. Uh, there, you know, there's a lot of depth in that running back. They're not like a, you know, you don't know if they're going to be stars, but there's some pretty good bodies in there that look uh, like they got a chance, uh, like, uh, you know, a Snell from Kentucky, who's a downhill runner, you got Williams from Notre Dame, and, uh, Weber from Ohio State, those guys would probably be in the fourth round. So there, there'll be running backs there. There'll be some offensive linemen uh, there that could help the Bears, uh, you know, uh, guards especially, uh, so or combination guys, you know, that can play up front. So, no, I tell you, I think that really, you know, you're going to have the first, oh, I don't know, maybe let's, you're going to have that, that top tier of guys, maybe, you know, eight the top eight players, then you're going to have that group from eight to 15 that are, you know, next and pretty good. But then from about 15 to 70, you take your choice, and uh, they're all kind of the same guy but at different positions. You know, you look at it, Dan, uh, and Ryan Pace, uh, I guess when you look at his first-round draft picks, you know, the Kevin White wasn't a great one. And then you get Leonard Floyd, Trubisky, and Roquan Smith. But he seemed to have put his team together with some really good middle-round picks. Are there certain GMs out there that are better at, you know, with their scouting staffs getting these guys? Because you look, he's got Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, who they did move on, but he was good when he was here, Adrian Amos, Bilal Nichols, all middle-round guys are there certain gms that excel in the in the middle rounds yeah I, I mean some people take a lot of pride in you know all the way through to your seventh round pick you know and and others uh don't for whatever reason because uh i'm with you that um hey you build your team with those middle round guys and then uh i'll tell you signing uh, undrafted free agents that normally would be drafted um, you know, with, those are other guys that you want to grab onto, and obviously the Bears will this year because they don't have the first couple rounds. But uh, no, I think that uh, there's a lot of a lot of general managers really like to tighten the screws down in those middle rounds, and uh, you, theoretically they all say they do, but I don't know if you know they really uh, take that pride. They kind of let things slide a little bit, and maybe you're a little bit more milk toast. Uh, you know, than uh, others, and pace seems to really tighten things down. Visiting with Dan Shonka, Dan, uh, the uh, 
Big guy over there at Our Lads, uh, pro scout for many years. Uh, let me see off the top of my head. You've been involved with the Kansas City Chiefs, the uh, Eagles, uh, with someone else in there. You've done the pro scouting. I wanted to ask you a question, Dan. You look at uh, the Bears uh, guys, uh, Ryan Pace, the GM, Matt Nagy, and then you look back at uh, a thing in baseball about, oh, geez, 25 years ago now called Moneyball, where, you know, general managers would say, maybe I can find something different before the other guys find it, which, you know, now it sounds laughable. On base percentage, it's good if a guy walks. You know, now it's almost laughable, but it was sort of new. Uh, I don't know how new what uh, uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are doing. Let's look at offense. But it seems like, at least to Bears fans like Fred and me who've seen, you know, offense, uh, you know, the old three yards, cloud of dust almost all our lives, something's different. I don't know how widespread you can address this, the league is, but what I'm zeroing in on, is there anything like, you know, money ball, like guys that get on base and walk? Is there something that guys like uh, Nagy, Pace, and other teams maybe are focusing in on that other teams maybe haven't caught up with yet or don't believe in? In other words, can you find an undervalued guy if you're a Ryan Pace? They, you know, we all know what their offense is, Fred. They want to move guys around and who's got the ball like a shell game, you know, on the L here in Chicago where the peanuts are. <laughs> so is, is it possible to, like, be ahead of the curve uh, ever these days? Or did he, does the league catch up pretty quick and they all... I know what everyone's uh, looking for. Well, I, I think there's nothing. I mean, you can have all those numbers out there and Moneyball stuff. Because when Moneyball came out, I studied it closely, too, to see if there's any way it could really translate to the NFL. And, I mean, I went through it uh, all one summer when it came out. Just study it. But baseball's a different game than football. Nothing beats hard work or like the cops used to say those gumshoes on you know beating the path uh, uh walking the uh, streets uh-huh. and things like that there's nothing like hard work i mean you've got to study it you've got to know like uh, area scout you got to know your area the over top guy you're going to look at you know you can compare uh, your areas because you're going over top so now you can compare that but there's nothing i mean there's, you know, you can have all those numbers in the world, guys, but you're not going to be able to. Uh, the one-eyed monster never lies, and I next, you know, I don't think they're going to have robots evaluating tapes that I know of. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Everybody tries to throw, everybody tries to throw these numbers out, and we've always used numbers. Just, I mean, you know, your basic things where your height, weight, and speed, because you got to have that for certain positions, and then, but you've got to be able to have experienced scouts to evaluate that film and see how they fit into your scheme. Now, the toughest job is for, like, a combine scout, because they're the first one in there to say, hey, can this guy play or not, you know? And uh, then the next, you know, you get your team, your team scouts, they're, you know, they're, they know what your team wants, and so that kind of helps tighten things down a little more. But the easiest scout are the guys that, quote, we call pro scouts that evaluate proteins because you're comparing apples to apples all the time when you're looking at a free agent you're going to take you know you can evaluate that guy because you know how he'll fit in your scheme because you're seeing him play in that scheme on another team so that is 
a piece of cake. But when you're, you know, the ground roots out there, grassroots, I should say, mm-hmm. you're out there, you know, that's the toughest. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the Bears are doing a really good job of uh, grassroots scouting. Is the closest, uh, what Murph was mentioning, is the closest anything comes when it comes to the draft, maybe grabbing a guy who, like, think about it. Um, Brian Erlacher was a safety, um, and, and all of a sudden yep. he goes to the Hall of Fame as a middle linebacker. The, the scouts that are smart enough to say, listen, this guy played here with this team. This guy was an edge rusher, but he'd be great in the middle, or vice versa. He was a middle, but he was kind of light, but he could be an outside linebacker or an edge rusher and things like that. Is it those kind of guys that really do the work and the scouts who probably a lot of times don't get the credit because the GM usually gets the credit and Dan I'm, I'm not saying that you got to give me an example of where you didn't get the credit but there has to be times where as a scout you tell your G, the GM listen this guy here or this guy here are guys you got to keep an eye on and then years later you're seeing these guys going to Hall of Fame and the GM's getting all the credit and you're the scout sitting there going yeah he wouldn't have known about it without me. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll give you a, a real brief one. I'm the only scout that wrote Kurt Warner as a pro prospect, so how about that one? That's really you know? good. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but anyway, and I, hey, by the way, John Gruden, the guru of Oakland, turned him down twice in Philadelphia when I was there. So uh, there's the another guru, good on, one for I didn't you. know that. Was that his new nickname now, the guru of Oakland? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he's the, he thinks he's the oracle, but we're going to find out, you know, over the next few years. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> hey, that's another story. Right. But, I no, I, I think that, no, you know, guys that really take a passion in their, in their job and uh, go out there. And, yeah, you can see guys. And the only way, like you were talking about, uh, Fred, is you got to be able to see that guy drop. You work him out. You'll see him drop into coverage. You see him do different things where you might be able to trans, uh, trans, uh, you know, transform him to another position. Or like what I did one year, we had, uh, in the Midwest was my area, and I'd go, I went to the University of Indiana, and I saw this uh, guy. Was a, he was a tall defensive lineman, and, and uh, he just, you know, he couldn't quite bend well enough. I thought for an interior guy, but he was super smart, uh, a student in engineering and all that stuff. I said, well, hey, how about if we move him over to offensive tackle? You know, his name was Troy Drake. He played about five or six years. We got him as a free agent with Philadelphia. But I think those are things that you do when you're in there looking at, um, you know, these guys. If you got a smart, tough guy and he's got some athletic ability, they got a chance to play, especially if they're smart, because they can understand, they can grasp, especially now, you can grasp, they, they've got to grasp things so quickly, the coaches only get so much time to spend with them. Right. So, you, you know, and all those things add up. So when you get a guy like that, um, you know, and uh, I think, you know, it looks like to me the Bears are doing a great job of, uh, hey, well, of course, they got Blau Nichols, one of my favorite guys last year. Yes. You know what I mean? And so uh, we can go on and on. But, yeah, the Bears uh, are doing, a, I think, a really good job of uh, scouting and, and plugging those holes. And this year they're going to get, the, hey, they'll sign some good free uh, undrafted free agents, I'll bet, that make the team. And also you've got the guys uh, here that, um, you know, it, starting in 87, uh, number eighty-seven. I think it's their first pick. They'll they'll uh, hmm. they'll get other good players. Dan Chunk, the last thing we always appreciate uh, the busy time for you, especially during your busiest week of the year at ourlads dot com. One thing we know about uh, Ryan Bass and Fred, you and I have talked about this. He's got something in his DNA. He can't help himself. 
Dan Shanka from trading up or down or in or out around draft day. Now, this year, he has no first round, as we know, no second round, as we know. He has a three, four, five, and then two sevens. Okay. But next year, it gets interesting. No number, no first round, Dan, but he's got two second rounds, then a fourth, and one, two, three. He's got four possible fifth-round picks. So would you think a guy like Ryan Pace can actually sit one year, meaning next week, and quote-unquote do nothing? All right, I got, I got my three, I got my four, I got my five. Dan Shanka says, and I read, and I've my guys, I got my scouts. That you know what? There's going to be guys waiting for us, and then the two Sam Belial Nichols last year, a seventh rounder, as, as you were alluding to, I believe. But he's got all these picks next year, in the sense of two number twos in 2020, a four, and four possible fives. Would you think he might be saying, you know, I can package a couple of those fives next year, and I got two twos. I can move my third round maybe up to a second round, or should should a guy like him just say, you know, for one year I'm not going to do anything? What do you what would you be considering? Let me rephrase it: if that were were you in the chair? Well, I'll tell you, Murph. I I think what I would do is I would uh, uh, right now, you know, unless something happened, say somebody was really falling, you had on your board up a little higher than everybody else, and you see that guy starting to fall. He might consider doing that on draft day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making that trade. But uh, I think right now he could sit tight and go ahead and grab, you know, these five guys. And, and you, hey, you never know. Somebody might want 87 for some reason and be willing to give a couple of picks for that, too, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. he might say, hey, hey, let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> and do that because our guy that we're going to get at 87, we might still be able to get him, you know, at 95. So, uh, but, oh, by the way, my man, Bilal Nichols, was a fifth round. Oh, so, uh, okay. All you know, right. Still not bad. But anyway. Still not bad. But anyway, loved him, and I, I hope that he's a great Chicago Bears for years to, mm. Bear for years to come. But anyway, no, I think that, um, you know, that's a possibility. That just kind of, it, it's going to take place, though, on, you know, draft day. And if there's somebody, like I said, falling, he could jump up and get him. Or the other way, somebody might want to come and say, hey, we want 87, so this is what we'll give you, and then it'll give them another uh, pick, you know, in this draft. Hey, great job as always. Fans, uh, check it out, ourladsourlads.com. Everything you want to know, need to know, and uh, should know. You can also go to 1-800-PRO-DRAFT if oh, yeah. you want to order any of the things and get them before the draft, which starts on Thursday. And uh, it'll be all kinds of fun. To, even though the Bears don't have anything until probably Friday night, you never know what uh, Ryan Pace may or may not do. Exactly. And, uh, we, yeah, we'll get those guides and uh, our newsletter out. And one thing great about our newsletter, I think we're, you know, we have our draft board in there that everybody really likes, mock drafts for every team, and uh, a little thing that we call the laddies, uh, that uh, the top players at each position and the, and the free agents and all that stuff. So, anyway, a lot of things to do at ourlads.com. And, oh, hey, you can win 500 yeah. bucks too. Go to the mock draft challenge. There you go. Is, is Fred Hubner eligible? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eligible. And I'm looking here really quickly. We won't mention, uh, but you've got a number 87 here in the uh, draft choices by team. You guys do the whole thing, and you've got the Bears going after an offensive guard from Penn State. And uh, you can never have enough offensive talent on that old line. Bears know that. And I'm sure that uh, Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace know it as well. Yeah, 
You betcha. So, uh, no, it'd be great. I'll be looking forward to seeing what the Bears do on the second day. Cool. And remember, it's in the general manager's DNA. He has to make some moves. <laughs> thanks thanks a lot, Dan. Always a pleasure. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks a million, guys. Okay, thanks, you Dan. Thank right, you. See you later. Yeah, this newsletter is unbelievable. He's got a draft board for uh, which guys go or for, at which which position uh, as they go through the rounds, and then he has uh, draft choices by team and everything else. It's really great. The newsletter you can grab our lads, and uh, I, I I haven't been so happy as when I walked in this morning and Eric says, "Look what I got for you," and he handed me the our lads draft guide. It's one of the best. It's got depth charts. It's up to date. It's got. Cordero Patterson has got everything you need uh, to get ready for the draft. And don't forget, next week we have a shorter show because we'll be covering rounds four through seven right here on ESPN 1000. When we return, Fred, you have to tell me, who the heck is Ryan Cordell? And I noticed something that's already looking to be maybe a... A redo of what happened to the Cubs last September. Remember what happened last September? About 30 games in 30 days or whatever. All that and more. Just also have st- opening lineups, starting lineups really? in both games already. And uh, two nice victories. We'll break down some baseball. Jesse at 10 and much, much more. Murph and Fred. Oh, some great, great Twitter poll questions. Hey, at least I think they are. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Me, Mike Murphy, and Fred Hubner, Jesse a little while, much, much more. Got, I, Fred, we still got some Bears stuff, but we'll get back to that in a little while, okay? The, uh, oh, yeah, we got a lot of time to talk about Bears. <laughs> got till noon. Yeah, and then next <laughs> week uh, they, they will have made one whole pick if uh, they yes. don't do anything different in the first three rounds, and uh-huh. their pick is number 87 overall. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's tough because I always go by. I'm not sure how other people do. I always used to like saying, you know, the 15th pick in the fourth round as opposed to pick number 126 or pick number 162 or pick number 222 mm-hmm. or 228. I want to know what number that is in the seventh round. But I guess, you know, I got so to conform to what everybody else does. The Bears are 89? Is that 87. What, 87. That's right. Yeah, 87. 87th pick. The, uh-huh. the Tom Waddle pick. Number good old number eighty seven. I call it the Harlan Hill pick. Yeah. Who? Well, that you know, Har- Harlan <laughs> knew the Harlan knew Harlan that E-O-B. Waddle was going to be you know playing. So yeah, yeah. Obes. Yeah. You ever shake hands with Eddie Obradovich? Lost my hand there for yeah. a minute. Yeah. Is oh, it, there it is. It's back. You go to the emergency room. Yeah. Got a few busted uh, either metacarpals or metatarsals or whatever's in my hand. I caddied probably 10 to 15 times for Ed Obradovich. Cool. And he had the biggest leather bag that he did not want to use a cart for, but he drove in the cart and I oh. carried this big, heavy leather bag around. <laughs> nice guy, though. Did you oh, ever, he's a great guy. Did you ever shake his hand? Yes, you're, absolutely. Yeah. And you're still he's here to huge. talk about His hands him? are massive. Yeah, ham hocks is an old <laughs> Chicago expression for him. Ever hear that said? Ham no, hocks? I like that. Uh-huh. Oh, you got a ham hock. Yeah. Lovely Dana putting a couple hams in the oven uh, today. Spiral. Yeah, I'm having one tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. For Easter. I'm having a special drink. I thought they stopped making this about 20 years ago. A Sazerac? No, it's vodka, oh. but oh. <laughs> I know they didn't stop making that. No. Okay, where you buy your or- the orange juice, you know, section? Yeah. Dole. You know, D-O-L-E, yeah. Dole. I saw it. I don't know if they've stopped it or they've always had it. it is, it's a three-way blend. It's like one-third orange juice. Okay. 
one-third pineapple juice, and one-third banana juice. Uh Uh-huh. It is delicious. And you know what? Put a little splash of vodka in there, sit outside, 72 degrees Sunday in the backyard. Oh, that's living, man. I was watching MLB Central the other day, and they said that Major League Baseball players are so worried now and concerned about their diets and things like that. Mm -hmm. One of the things they drink to stay hydrated is pineapple with coconut water. They take the pineapple, throw it in a blender, coconut mm-hmm. water, throw it in a blender, mix it. It yeah. basically tastes like a pina colada, but it's got the coconut water, the pineapple. It keeps keeps you hydrated, keeps you refreshed. Pineapple is the best. Yeah, it's just a lot of people are drinking it, so uh, I may have to start. Hey, let's look at the... Uh, just because I like pina coladas. Everyone's everyone's drinking. I better have a drink. <laughs> yeah. What? You've had 10 already? Yeah. Oh. Time to go home, Mr. Murphy, Mr. Eubner. Uh Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. The Bears, multiple choice, Fred. The Bears have only seven noon starts. Yep. As of now, I guess they can flex some in or out. Maybe well, if they flex them, they'll have less because they're not going to. I doubt they'll flex to a start to a start, unless the Bears well, are miserable. Well, that's what I mean. It could go either way, but yeah, the Bears would have to be really bad yeah. to be flexed out of one of their other ones. But the record show as of today. Uh huh. cover all your angles around here. The Bears have only seven noon starts on the schedule as of today, this coming season. A. I like that. B, I hate that. C, any time is fine with me. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Uh, Ryan Pace, draft day will sit tight, trade up, accumulate down. Vote now on those. We have quite a few others we'll get to. But let's take a quick look at the uh, baseball notebook. Fred, I want to hear in a moment... uh, the White Sox outfielder, Ryan Cordell, I want to hear more about him. Uh-huh. He's performing better than uh, uh, Palka. Was it Dennis Dan? What was Pal- Daniel, Daniel Palka? Daniel Palka. Yeah. 27 homers last year, one opposite field single this year. He has That's no, it. No, he had no homers. No. He was one for 27. No, no he uh, was one for 30-something. Yikes. He was 0 for 32 at one time. So I don't want to embarrass me. And you, so I won't pull out our uh, the average game yeah. from about three weeks ago and how we many were homers you would hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the only reason. That's the part that bothered me. Yeah. That was the only reason the White Sox stuck with him because when Ryan Paul, when Ryan Cordell was up here a while ago, he went two for six with a home run. He showed he could play the outfield. All the things that Daniel Polka wasn't doing. Polka wasn't hitting, wasn't hitting homers, and couldn't play the outfield. Cordell could do all three. We saw it again last night. They he made a really me. nice catch. Then they, what, they had him up opening day, but had to send him down to make room on the 25 for that Evan or Santana. Who's your fifth star? Evan Santana, oh, yeah. yeah. He's so, going today. But now, Cordell's back. He looks like a nice little ball player, you know, that can be a fourth or fifth outfielder, certainly for a, you know, a first place type team. And yeah. he's not going to embarrass anybody now. No, they got him in a deal with Milwaukee. Oh, uh, all right. He's, he's 27. So he's been around the minors for a little while. Mm-hmm. He was drafted back in 2013 by the Texas Rangers and, uh, but he's a guy that he he's got some speed. He can play the outfield. I'm I'm fine. Leave him out there. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see him out there, and he can play all the outfield positions. So if Adam Engel continues to not hit, you can throw Cordell out in center. 
Um, so, you know, but you want you kind of want an Adam Engel in center field at Detroit because it's 420 to center. So He's that's fun a huge, to watch. Yeah, that's fun a huge, huge outfield. But Cordell, had, he went three for four with a homer uh, two nights or two days ago. And then yesterday uh, he had a hit and walk and stole a base and did some nice things. Yeah. So that's nice to see. The Sox got a nice win. And uh, the standings this morning, White Sox uh, 8 and 11, three and a half back uh, in fourth. They can... Catch or leapfrog uh, Detroit with uh, two more wins. But two out of three ain't bad, because everyone laughs now at uh, Joe for saying that. Uh, starting pitching on both sides of town yesterday, Kyle Hendricks with the wind blowing in. He said, you know what, I'm going to find my changeup. And he found it, and the changeup was his best of the year. And what yep. do you know, there's his best outing of the year. He gets his first uh, W. Hey, it's a giant W, Mad, 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 Mad World. Seven innings, three hits. Rodan, uh, Rodan uh, of White Sox, six innings, also three hits. Kyle Hendricks, no earned runs. Uh, Rodan just gave up one. How about walks and strikeouts? Uh, Kyle Hendricks, two walks, 11 Ks. That tied, I believe, is uh, career best. Rodan doubled up strikeouts, six over three. Number of pitches, 100. Hendricks uh, threw seven. I didn't know if Joe would leave him out there, but... The Cubs' last three starts, this is sort of a, I don't want to say a quirk, but interesting. You probably saw this for the Cubs' last three starting pitchers. Yep. Uh, yesterday, Hendricks, day before Hamels, day before Quintana. They all had identical lines, as they call it, pitching lines of seven innings, zero earned runs. Yep. And uh, the Cubs went 31 innings into the ninth inning yesterday when uh, Brock gave up a run. 31 scoreless innings, which was the best since 1976. Yeah, well, and even Darvish, who went five and two-thirds in the start before that, in the first game against Miami, had allowed six just innings, two runs. But Joe, yeah. Joe had to yank him. Yeah. He allowed just two runs, and he struck out eight. So oh, their, their starters over the last couple of games, 23, 34 strikeouts. For 34 strikeouts for their four starters. So that's not bad at all. And they've only given up two runs, and those were given up by Darvish. Cubs. So Darvish goes uh, again today, and then uh, for some reason, Tyler Chatwood's pitching tomorrow. Well, Jesse broke that down pretty good the other day. Here he is, pin 1,000. We'll have Jesse on in a few minutes. They, they claim they want to have uh, a one uh, uh, more lefty in the three games coming up against the Dodgers and one more righty in the three games ended with the D backs. But you hear Jesse's yeah. angle? No. He said, I don't think the, uh, they wanted Darvish to have to pitch against his old teammates, the Dodgers. Well, let me ask you a question. How, <laughs> how well did Darvish and Hamels going against Texas work? Darvish? Darvish and Hamels going against Texas. Remember, they set oh, yeah. up the rotation. I know. So they would pitch against Texas in yeah. the opening series mm-hmm. instead of Hendricks and whoever. And uh, that didn't work out too well for the Cubs. And the thing about Darvish, you might as well just accept the fact. I've heard people go, well, you know, you give him all this money, and now you got to cherry pick who he picked. Well, the fact, you know, perception is reality, and that's re- it appears to be reality. So, I don't know. You want to fight it and say, pitch him against the Dodgers, and he, emotionally he's going to... You know, it, it shouldn't. Yeah, I agree. I'm just you shouldn't it, have yeah, to pay the no. guy all that money and then worry about who he pitches against. But if that's what it is, then maybe you got to what, deal with it. Yeah, the only way I'm changing the rotation is if I if you know I have a day off and I can skip my fifth starter altogether. 
and then go with like four and a half starters throughout the course of the year because there's a lot of times with the days off here and there, especially here in the first month or two, you didn't need five starters. That's why the Sox didn't have to call Irvin Santana up until recently. Mm. And he wasn't really good in his first couple outings. He got some big dough, didn't he? Uh, I don't four, think, I think he got four yeah. million. Yeah. Well, he's a Peanuts. he's a veteran pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, he can go five hundred for you. Like Quintana, now he's had two good outings in a row. Right. What does that tell you? Nothing. Doesn't no. mean a thing. It tells you what he is. He's a five hundred pitcher. Yeah. That's what he's always been. You you can't expect Jose Quintana to all of a sudden go fifteen and three. No. So that's not going to happen. He's not a fifteen and five guy. No. Though maybe that's what they could have shopped and looked around a little bit more for. But uh, you know what? They well, here's to, the thing. They had to give away Eloy. Here's the thing. Somebody. Coming into the season, anybody that listened here, we, we all talked about how you know the Cubs pitching staff could have been one of the best in baseball going into the season. With their five guys, if Darvish showed showed up. We didn't know Lester was going to get hurt. And over the last four games, the Cubs pitching staff has done what you expected the Cubs pitching staff to do. Nobody expected Hendricks to be 0-3 going into yesterday. He was. He pitched a great, really, really good game yesterday. Uh, Quintana, Hamels. I mean, with, with their starting five, they should be uh, one of the top teams in the National League. And that's what they haven't gotten until the last four games. Which brings us to a Twitter poll question. Thank you there, Fred. Uh, this Twitter poll also ran four weeks ago or three weeks ago. And uh, I felt it appropriate. We rarely do this. I repeated it. Uh, we repeated it today, Fred. Uh, the Cubs' strength, the strength is their A, pitching, B, their hitting. We did this three weeks ago. And it was a, well, I'm not going to uh, sway the jury. But it was a landslide, and I went the other way, and I'm sure looked pretty bad for a while. So not to make myself look better or look worse, because I can do that on right. my own and look bad. Want to see what it is now. Vote now at ESPN 1000 or at uh, 3323776. The Cubs' strong suit is their pitching or is it their hitting? And when we return something that I've noticed that might be reminiscent of what occurred last September to the Cubs, where they played about 60 games in 20 days. Okay. <laughs> they played like, what, 32 and 31. Back in a flash, just in a little while, much, much more ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Hope you have a great, great holiday weekend. Uh, Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Jesse around the corner. I see Fred has the Cubs uh, lineup. Real quick, Fred. You And White Sox, who started oh, noon today. I forgot they have a day game. I'm yep. sorry. Good, good. We have them both. Uh, around last July or August. Roll the tape on. We don't roll the tape. And so... Maybe Fred will remember me saying it back around July. I noticed and I said, you know, the Cubs have played five fewer games than uh, Milwaukee at the time. This is like last July or early August, St. Louis last year. And I said, you know, hockey people, oh, we got five. The Blackhawks got four games in hand. That's good. Five games in hand. That's good. You can tack on points and catch up maybe. Right. And I said, you know, this is not good in baseball, especially today's type of baseball, when you have five games fewer played because of, most, because of rainouts. Scheduling quirks usually average out, you right. know. 
But And sure enough, what happened was the Cubs had five more games to play in the month of September. And this is not a bellyache. It's just a hard fact. You can dissect it however you wish. I don't care. But they had to play five more games in September uh, than the Brewers. Uh, I could be one off. I don't think I am, give or take, but I think that's what it was, which meant that any off days they had had to be a makeup game. And then they had to remember goofy fly ones from Washington, D.C. to out west and back. And again, I'm, you know, not playing the world's littlest violin uh-huh. or sympathy, just facts. Well, did you notice today? I, I looked at this for Milwaukee is 12 and 9. Yep. The Cubs are 9 and 9. By the way, the Cubs were two and seven. They've won now gone seven and two duh, to be nine and nine. But point is, it's early. But Milwaukee has played twenty one games, and the Cubs have played eighteen. Now I haven't had time to see if that's the scheduling quirks, or could it be the roof in Milwaukee, where they don't get rained out eighty one times, so they don't take days off. They don't have to take that day off. They don't get rained out. Well, it's yeah, that and it's the one day off. Like when the Cubs have their home opener, they play their game and then they have to take a day off. Milwaukee didn't have to do that. Good point. So a lot of the teams that are out west mm-hmm. or have a roof don't schedule a, a scheduled day off for the second home game of the year or second day right. of the year. But the big picture is this could even up quickly. I don't know. But the trend is there again, and it's early. But... When you have already the Cubs have to play three more games uh, than Milwaukee, which means Milwaukee will be taking a day off. And it's not just the day off. It's your pitching. You can catch up on your rotation. You were talking about earlier, Fred, you know, right. four man, yeah. five man. Uh, and, you know, you give a guy a day off every once in a while. I don't care what anyone says. It's going to help a starting pitcher. Yeah, except so you've looked it up. Uh, pitchers don't like pitchers like pitching every fifth day. They don't yeah. like that extra day of rest. Some guys. Because a lot of guys yeah. come out too strong and then they screw themselves up and then bad things happen. Or a guy like. You know, Lester, he's such a creature of habit. Right. He knows what he's going to do on day one, two, three, four to be ready, for, you know, uh, five, six when, right. his, when his days are off. Yeah. So, uh, hey, let's go. Uh, we, we have a time for a quick call here. Eric says, let's go to uh, Michigan City, Bowman across Lake Michigan. It's Mark. Hello, Mark. It's Murph and Fred. Hello there, Mike and Fred. How you doing today? Doing great, Mark. What's up? I just want to pass on a little condolences about a loss of a legend, uh, Mr. Chet Topic, the man who wore the fur in town. <laughs> and uh, if you guys want to chime in after my response about any interactions with, with Les, and he helped bring the medium that uh, you gentlemen enjoy and many others in Chicago Sports Talk Radio. Now, Fred, I want to mention I watched the White Sox game last night. Uh, Eloy, kind of in right field there, Left. is a cross between George Bell and Jim Rice with the glove. No, no, now, no, 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 hit, no. no. He... Hey, Mark, Mark, he's yeah. the wor- he's the worst left fielder I've ever seen. I don't know but that I I've ever I don't know that I've ever seen a worse left fielder uh, in the major leagues than Eloy Jimenez. I really don't. He almost, I thought he was going to kill himself <laughs> last night on that fly ball up against the wall at, near the end of the game. I thought he was going to kill himself. Soriano. No. Eloy's worse. Sarge, Matt, Sarge? What do you think, Mark? Do you think uh, <laughs> Jimenez is worse than Soriano in the outfield? Uh, probably Kittle and Soriano combined. Now, if, he can, if, nice. if he can get a 10-year slash line like George Bell or Jim Rice, we'll take it. Caller of the show, Ron Kittle. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. Nice, nice call, Mark. I had it written down. I tweeted it out. It's, it's, 
He's one of the worst outfielders I've ever seen. There was a ball down the left field line, and he kind of like lazily went over after towards it, and it, it fell in fair territory. Now, the wind was blowing a little bit, but he thought it was going to go foul. Falls in fair territory for a double. Now, they were fortunate they had a five-run inning and took a nice advantage and a nice lead. But uh, he's just brutal. Well, he's a terrible outfielder. Maybe Mark was looking at uh, my yellow pad from last night. Let's bring in uh, Aaron Kostrowski, EO11. Fred, uh, this has been on board for about two, three hours now. We haven't uh, brought it to the radio yet. Uh, number eight, uh, Eli uh, Jimenez will be the uh, White Sox DH after Jose Abreu. Yes or no? The fans uh, are biting in on this one, uh, Eric, uh, Fred, uh, and this is not to really diminish Eli because the DH is You diminish him all he wants. I mean, he, you're, you're diminishing him because he can't play the outfield. He almost, yeah, he, he's going to hurt someone if not himself. He goes, first. he goes after every ball gingerly like he's running, like he's got, uh, reg, like he's got eggs in his shoes. <laughs> I don't know what his problem is, but he looks terrible. He like almost, he's never seen a fly ball. He almost got beaned, which is the correct usage of beaned, uh, on that uh, fly ball yeah. by the wall yesterday. Yep. He got it all the way back to the wall, ugly as it was, yes. and then he still missed the ball. Eric, uh, early voting, what uh, do the Sox fans, what do the baseball fans say about Eloy? Will be the White Sox DH after Jose Abreu. 57% of the voters say... Yes, Aloy will end up being the DH after Abreu. So forty three percent didn't see the game last night. Yes, apparently. Yeah, or, or they think, or they think that Abreu is going to get re signed to be here for a couple of years, and then so maybe they didn't. They took that into consideration. Well, but, I took that out of the question. Yeah, right, right. But um, yeah, it, it, he's just—it's embarrassing how bad he is. Uh, and you know, yesterday, um, you know, you had Engel in the outfield, and he can help. But not on balls that right to left field. There's nothing he can do on those. He's sweet. He's sweet to watch yeah. in the field. Adam Engel. And it's kind of the situation that I thought uh, a little bit that Hayward had yesterday. Because hmm. Hayward was in center with Schwarber and Bryant on both sides of him. Now, Bryant's not slow, and he's not a bad outfielder. But that's not his position. It's not a natural position for him. You know, it's funny. You look at a guy like, you have a guy like Hayward. Long time multiple gold glove winner right field. And you move him to center field. It should be, oh, just move him over to center. Yeah. He's a, he's, he struggles. He's a, a fish out of water. Yeah, you know? it's different. The ball ball reacts oh, differently. Yeah. But usually they say center field's easier because you get more. You don't get balls hooking as much. Yeah, quite as much. He's in he's in center field again today. Hayward is the problem. What you say is right about the banana hooks. Yeah, but the ball right at you over your head. Not so easy if you're not used to it because you cannot get the depth perception to go back on yeah. it right away. Well, Brett Gardner's found that out, too, playing center field for the Yankees while Aaron Hicks is out. And Gardner has got, caught himself. There was a ball when the uh, White Sox played in New York last week. Very first pitch of the game, uh, Lurie Garcia hits one in center field, and Gardner spins himself around like a top. So... You'll have Zobrist in right field today, and then Hayward in uh, center and Schwarber in left. Spinning like a spinning top or a dreidel. Uh-huh. Uh, last chance vote right now. The Bears have only seven noon starts this year. Hey, I like that. B, I hate that. See, anytime the Bears play is fine with me. And Ryan Pace draft is going to sit tight, trade up, or accumulate down. Jesse Rogers next. Much, much more. Back in a flash. Vote at ESPN 1000.
first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street. This is ESPN 1000, WMVP Chicago. Because you're with us, so we are all right, Murph and Fred. One minute away from Jesse Rogers. I wanted that Wednesday. We don't, there's no flags we can look at here. Let me get the. You got your uh, phone out there. I, I got see. it. What do we got, Fred? Uh, wind out of the north at 22 miles an hour, blowing straight in, just like yesterday. Yep. So maybe you or I could pitch today. Good thing I was thinking. Good thing Jesse didn't have the old uh, lid. On the uh, uh, Cabeza yesterday, it might have blown halfway towards downtown, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it might have. Yeah, see? Uh, some nice du- pitchers to do a duel today. It could be Darvish and Granky, even though Granky's out to, off to a slow start. Jack Brickhouse used to say, a honey of a duel setting up for today. Jesse's not just the guy with all the inside knowledge. He's got all the statistics. When Listella and Caratini both started in the same game, which would be maybe your definition of a true getaway lineup, right, when they both started in the same game, because those are your only true backups. Caratini, Lestel, in the same game, the Cubs were 8-1 and one in games started by those two in the same one. 8-1 and one last year. So take that. 8-1. Always a party. Let's bring in Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred. Morning, Jesse. Good morning, boys. Looks like it's going to be a good weekend. How you doing? Good. You got a little John DeWine in you there, huh, with the numbers. <laughs> Those were good. I like that because, oh, you know, Joe, he's always manipulating, changing everything. So on nine occasions last year where two of the, you know, no disrespect, the, the Back at a bench, guys, you know, Alastella and Caratini both started in the same game, 8 and 1. That's a make. good job, man. Yeah, thanks. We can blame Theo for all this confusion because with his offseason rhetoric, I hmm. think people have just taken this in all sorts of directions. The one thing I do know when he talked about not giving away that final game of a series or the getaways, he never was talking about Joe's lineups. I know that for a fact. He's told me that over and over again. This it had never to do with Joe's lineup. So, um, trust me, Theo and Jed and Joe are on the same page when it comes to lineups. They really are. And I'm not saying they would if Theo was the manager, it'd be exactly the same as Joe. Of course not. But they are on the same page. Mm. If Joe loses his gig, it won't be because of the lineups. Trust me on that. No, it's going to be because of the $6 million. That's my opinion. Jesse Rogers with us. One last thing, and then we'll never bring up the two out of three ain't bad again. But Fred, sure. Jesse, here's my theory. I don't even know if I've ever really had a chance. See, when the team was, when Joe was first year, and these guys were young guys, his his number one mission, Joe Madden, was to take the pressure off these guys. That's why he had the magicians and all. In my opinion, he mm-hmm. wanted to divert, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, you know, obfuscate, you know, muddy the water, anything he could. Now, two out of three ain't bad, he was telling them. I believe for this reason. Usually it's three-game series. You know, you're in a town, three, they come here. Well, usually three. So you win the first game, then you lose the second game. And in the locker room, he didn't want guys hanging their head. Oh, we just lost. He came in. It's all right, guys. Two out of three in bed. We'll get them tomorrow. See, to me, it was all strategy. It was psychology. And I think people bent this out of shape, meaning that, well, you win the first two, he didn't care about the third one. Jesse, that's nothing what it was meant to be. 
No, of course not. And and and, and, he, and just going back to the premise, if you do win two out of every three, yeah. you're, you're going to win 108 games. Yep. So, I mean, we, we break these things down by series because that's what you do. But at the end of the day, it's the total number. Mm-hmm. The number was 95, which, I don't know, nine times out of ten, that's enough to win a division. It just wasn't last year. Crazy day yesterday. Fred and I were talking last hour about the wind. And uh, it the, the Cubs fielders did not have as many opportunities to look uh, stupid. As, as the Diamondbacks, as the Diamondbacks did. Yeah. But well, the Diamondbacks struck out eleven times. They weren't hitting the ball as much as the Cubs were. So Fred brought this up, and he did, and Jesse, I texted you yesterday. I said, I wonder if either of the teams' coaching staff went out at ten in the morning before the game, eleven o'clock, and actually, duh, hit high fungos to like the outfielders and infielders, you know, a few hours, three hours before the game because it's blowing again today. They don't even, I'm sure, and this is not one team or the other, no one hits fungos to their players on a wind, windy day to help them out, do they? No, not specific to the wind. If they're taking some infield, it's just because they're taking it, and that doesn't help the outfielders. The most they would have done, and I can't say I watched every second of pregame, sure. but the most it would have done is just outfielders being out there shagging fly balls during batting practice. But that doesn't nah. necessarily give no. you the same as, as hitting in specific spots, hitting it in just certain trajectories. So I, I'm with you, Murph. Yeah, it's something that you should probably do if yeah. you want to. If you want to leave no stone unturned, it's a good thing to do on a windy day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, mm-hmm. too, because, Jess, I was telling Murph earlier, and Murph knows, and I'm, I don't think you're old enough to have seen it, but it used to be when you'd go to games as a kid, you'd get there, you wouldn't only see batting practice, but they would move the, the batting cage, would be gone, and like uh, I would go to the Sox game, so they would wheel it out to center field, and uh, while they were doing that, they would hit fly balls to the outfielders, they would hit ground balls to the infielder, they'd even hit a pop-up to the catcher to end the whole thing. Kind of the same way you did in in Little League, you know? And they don't do that anymore. You would think they would do it, if nothing else, at least the first game of a series in a new ballpark. It's a great point. It's a great point. What they do do is, you know, every three months or so, they will have a a pre-game session that looks like spring training. They'll do pitcher covering first base. They'll do some of that kind of stuff, but that's once in a blue moon they, they remind them of their spring training stuff. Mm-hmm. But why not practice yeah. to the conditions of that day? I think it's a great point. Plus, plant fans would get a kick out of it. Well, sure. and that's that's why we see, and we talk about it all the time on every show, but there used to be that the old phrase, this guy's good field, no hits. That doesn't happen in baseball anymore. If you can't hit, you're not getting into the big leagues. You can't hit, you're not going above double A. Well, that's because of 13 pitchers. You don't have the luxury of having a glove man on yeah. a bench now, right, Jesse? Or a pinch hitter that just pinch hits. You need guys that not yeah. only can they, they have to hit and field, they have to field three or four positions now. It's changed so much because of what you're saying, Murph. And it might change back if if the if Theo and some other people have their way. Eleven man pitching staffs mm. will return the game with to pinch hitters and no field, you know, no hit, no uh, no hit glove yeah. kind of guys. You know, we could see that if they find that, you know, go to that rule. We'll see. Yeah, well, not to be a dead horse. Is that politically incorrect? Can I say well, that? Well, to horses it is. Oh, I apologize to all the horses <laughs> ass, horses out there is what I mean to say. Uh, Jesse, thank you, though, for uh, not saying PFP, pitcher's feeling practice. You actually said the pitcher covering yes. first base because one more PFP and then I'm going to have to beat the dead horse a couple well, of Well, I don't think a lot of people know what those are. That's, why I'm, thanking, what well, that's why I'm yeah. thanking you even more for 
knowing your audience. You got a little Stacey King in you, a little John Dewan in you today. It's Jesse Rogers. All right, now, Jesse, last July or August, and I wasn't proud to point this out, but as I look back, I said, you know what? And Fred hasn't said if he remembered me saying this or not, but last July or August, I said, you know, I'm noticing the Cubs have played five feet this last July. Uh, five fewer games than the Brewers. I said, unlike hockey, and you covered hockey, uh, you know, the games in hand, oh, the Blackhawks have played five fewer games than whoever, Detroit, you know, whoever trying to catch whatever conference at the time. And that would be good because you could stack up some wins when they weren't playing and catch the points. But in baseball, I said, you know, this is not good. And what happened? We all know what happened in September. Not, not to, uh, no excuses. The facts mm-hmm. are they had to shoehorn in to any off days they had or day night and travel right now the uh, uh brewers uh have a record of 12 and 9 they've played 21 the cubs 9 and 9 have played 18 so we already the cubs they already have three more games to play while the brewers you know have a day off could be corks could be the roof now they never you know they have 81 home games they don't get rained out but it's just something that I was going to keep an eye on and hopefully it won't uh, you know be 5 or 6 or 7 by uh, you know August or September because uh, facts are the facts so funny, Murph. I, I was looking at the standings this morning prepping for the show, and I saw the same thing. It, 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 I noticed that as well. And you know what's strange is uh, I don't think the Cubs like this. I don't think the Cubs like the, not uh, Them not liking it isn't strange. <laughs> what's strange is what I'm about to tell you. You don't need off days before and after a series like we're getting right now. There should not be an off day on a Thursday and then again on a Monday. That just That's silly. The players wanted extra off <laughs> days to, to be spread out because of the grind of the season. They don't need one before and after a three-game series. So already you see mistakes like that within the schedule that, that affect teams, in this case the Cubs. And this isn't the only example. They've had uh, more off days than normal because they had those first two um, in Texas and Atlanta, two places you don't need an off day after opening day, in my opinion. Yeah. But they did. So you're right, Murph. It's something to watch. You don't want to be playing catch-up. And then what happens if you have another snow or rain out, which the Cubs just had? Now you're really going to pile them up later. Well, the only thing that the off days can be uh, a help to the Cubs is that they don't have to use their fifth starter um, with Lester being out. From what I understand, Jesse, and you were probably there, uh, I, I guess Lester's throwing his simulated game today, which is probably good news, right? Yeah, yeah, he was progressing enough to get to this point. So I think he's days away, week away from returning. I really do. I don't think it's going to be much longer. The question is, does he go down to South Bend for two innings? He's not the type of guy that I think would want to do that. Uh, And he hasn't been off that long. So, yes, he's on the verge of returning. Yet they chose to insert a fifth guy. They're starting Tyler Chatwood tomorrow to the surprise of a lot of people. There's some reasons that make sense, righty versus lefty, lefty versus right, all that stuff. But I'm still a little surprised. Without the need for Chatwood to be in there, they're right. actually inserting him in the rotation. Well, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You had three great reasons yesterday when the story, you know, the story broke. If, yeah. you, if you can call it a story breaking, but you were right on it, and you mentioned at least this way: uh, you throw and get an extra lefty Quintana against the Dodgers. You get two with Hamels, and then Hendricks game three, and an extra righty in the three against uh, Arizona. But also, could it be? And who knows that they're thinking? Well, you know, Darvish are facing his old team, the Dodgers. Maybe that's not the best. I didn't. Fred and I went around the 
uh, Mulberry Bush on that a little bit earlier, but um, yeah. maybe it's something they're considering. And it worked out so well with the, having them go against Texas. Eric, you ever hear of Around the Mulberry Bush? I hate to... Uh, <laughs> have you? All Around the Mulberry Bush. There you uh-huh. go. You didn't read your contract, no singing allowed, but very good. I'll Thank break you. that contract. I just think that, I just think that if, if the end result of your maneuvers is Darvish facing the Diamondbacks twice mm. or not very good against righties, then that's probably not a bad thing. Now, this all works if Chatwood doesn't blow up tomorrow. You know, if he gives you a terrible start, then you're going to be wondering why they why did they do this. So we'll sure, see. okay, all right. Uh, C.J. Edwards, he slipped on the stairs and scraped his hand. Was he hanging around with Corey Crawford? What's going on? But I've yet to find out. I guess does it matter? That's up to everyone's own opinion. Where did it occur? Did it occur at uh, Sec Taylor Stadium in Des Moines? Did it uh, occur at uh, you know some other place that they don't want us to know about? Any idea? And uh, maybe I'm making too much out of this. No, no, those things are always interesting to find out. And I and I don't know. I don't know. I thought Theo and Jed might address it yesterday. And they they weren't around, and you know, pregame was kind of shortened because how cold it was. Right. I'm not at the ball. I'm not at the ballpark today, but it's something to to look into in the coming days for sure. Because you know mm-hmm. what, if that happened, because he, I don't know, he was mad or something about him. You know, all the those things matter. Or was it a personal thing, or yeah. did it happen at the ballpark? Right. You're right. So, yeah. um, it, it it adds to a terrible terrible mm-hmm. start for him. You know, he's yeah. already behind the eight ball, being the minors. Now he's on on the shelf for ten days. So. Mm-hmm. It's something to investigate a little bit for sure. The trip down a, uh, a suitcase by the stairs was already used by that bull. Who was that <laughs> Bulls guy about 10 years ago? Uh, one of our high paid power forwards. Yeah. Uh, tripped down Boozer. A- not, not Carlos Boozer. Boozer, Boozer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, Carlos yeah, Boozer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by the way, the White Sox game today has been rained out, part of a day night doubleheader August 6th. So. so they've had a few of those as well. So. Yeah. No you White Sox baseball to today. Later. Yep. Yep. All right, Jesse, uh, relief pitcher uh, Morrow. Was it Brandon? I forgot. You haven't seen yeah. him so long. I've read his name. <laughs> Brandon Morrow. All right. Uh, off season. Should be ready by May 1st. Spring training. I heard, uh, you know, from the Cubs people. You know, I remember we're hoping we're shooting for May 1st. Well, that's two weeks away. I guess we ain't shooting for May 1st or what? Yeah. I don't think he's, if he's, if it's not May 1st, I don't think it's going to be much far, you know, further back than that. All I right. really do. I think he's, he's really getting close. No setbacks facing live hitters. Um, and, you know, a rehab stint for, for a reliever might last a week, pitch, you know, maybe every other day a couple times, every third day to start, you know what I mean? So he can go, uh, he shouldn't be long. It shouldn't be long for him to return, whether it's May 1st, May 2nd, May 3rd. I think he's, he, that homestand when they return from Seattle is a long one. I think we'll absolutely see him in there. Uh, the Cubs have won uh, seven of their last nine. They've gone seven and two after going two and seven. That brings them a nine and nine. It's amazing, really, to look at a 500 record as you look at the uh, Cubs uh, hitting uh, statistics uh, this morning. The bottom four hitters from the bottom up, Rizzo, Schwarber, Almora, Bryant. The top four from the top down leading was uh, Hayward, Zagunas, Contreras, Descalso. So you can look at that two ways, fellas. Well, when when these bottom four guys start hitting, Rizzo, Schwarber, Elmora, Bryant, things are going to be sweet. Or you could say, well, what if they never start hitting? What? What? How do we look at this? Half full, half empty? I guess it's early. You got to say they're going to start hitting, Jesse. Yeah, you have to look at it as half empty. I mean, half full. You absolutely yeah. do. And, and and because on top of it, it's not like 
you, you okay, maybe Descalso cools off, maybe Hayward cools off, but I don't think Contreras is going to cool off, and I think David Bodie's a legit hitter, and the fact of the matter is, you know, Hayward and Descalso might continue it, you could say, but I don't think there's any doubt at some point Bryant and Rizzo are going to get it going. No doubt in my mind about Rizzo, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty darn sure about about Bryant as long as he's healthy. Rizzo, the only reason I'm more sure about Rizzo is because he does this every April. Yes. He does this every April. Now, Bryant hasn't hit in a while because of his injuries and the start to this season. So you, you're sort of waiting for it to happen. The key question with, with Chris is this, Murph and Fred. Yeah. Are, are his struggles this year tied at all to anything to do with last year? And I don't just mean the injury. I also mean maybe his timing's off. Uh, maybe he was he, he's changed his, his uh, mechanics a little bit at the end of last year and it's carried over. You know, is it is it separate? Or is it tied to last year? It sounds like most people believe it's tied to the struggles of last year. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure it is. I think it, some people have tough starts and some people have hot starts, and this guy's having a tough one. I made a little list here on the back of the old yellow pad, Fred and Jesse. Uh, the possi- possible things that are hindering Bryant, okay? So this is not to say I voted or I'm going to vote when it's not a Twitter poll. So let's make a list, see if there's anything I might have uh, left off a possible list. Okay, uh, let's list the possible problems of Chris Bryant. Number one, it's just a regular old slump. Garden variety, everybody has one slump. That's one possibility. A couple weeks, everybody does it. Number two, pitchers have adjusted to him, and he hasn't adjusted back. All right. Number three, shoulder hurts. These are just possibilities. Mm-hmm. Number four, he's still gun-shy from taking a baseball in the helmet about uh, 11 and a half months ago. Uh, number five, he needs glasses. I'm not saying it. I'm just listing every possibility. So all I have are these five. Regular old garden variety, run-of-the-mill slump. Pitchers have adjusted, and he has not or is unable to. Three, he's hurt, shoulder. Four, gun-shy. Uh, beanball, or five uh, glasses. Is there a sixth one, Eric, uh, Fred, uh, Jesse? I'm sure there's something. Mine's in there. The, one, the reason uh, I think he's struggling is in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. How I, about you, Jess? I think it's one or two, or a combination of one and two. Mm-hmm. I, that's a that's probably an easy answer because I I I've tried to dig and I have not found anything else besides garden variety struggles and maybe some 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 teams adjusting to them. I would say this: the, the lack of power, if it continues, it can be concerning and might point to something else. But right now, I vote for one or two because I've investigated him, found anything else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just I think. Don't know. I, I and I've said for the long for the last three four years I've said you know the one thing I thought he was um, you know would could get him out were high was high heat high fastballs I know that sounds silly because it gets a lot of guys out the Astros right. all pitched that way but it seems like that's been getting them and one other thing he seems to have he seems to be getting called. Have, having strikes called on him more than I ever remember. Um, now, I don't know if he's missing them or if the uh, the umps are just calling pitches that he really doesn't think are strikes and if they're not. Because I've seen him get more frustrated at the plate on balls called strikes 
than I have in the past. Yeah, I would say what I said the other day stands true. He's struggling, and he's been a little unlucky in general. Now, yesterday he got lucky. A pop-up turned yeah. into a two-run two, two run double or three-run, whatever it was. So maybe that's something that will you know get him going the right way. He did hit a couple blasts, Murph. I know you watch everything to right field recently. Melky Cabrera diving catch. Mm-hmm. Another one that goes out in a lot of ballparks, but Marlins Park is huge. Then he did pull one down the left field line. It's it, Look, his average isn't 150 like Rizzo. It's actually in the twos. But I, I do want to see that power to left field return. That's the one thing I'm waiting for. I think right center power is good when he extends his arms. He's got to yep. pull some balls out. I know he was working that on that in the offseason. Yeah, you're right about the ball he hit in Miami. And uh, not a balls go out that way unless your name's Javi Baez. Right, exactly Jeez. right. <laughs> Man, he hit two, right? He hit two of them out to right center uh, in that series. And that was ridiculous. Visiting- yeah, that- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm visiting with Jesse Rogers as I just rudely interrupted him. And Jesse saying, when is this segment going to end? Does it end? <laughs> One more quickie there, Jesse. And thanks, as always. Everyone loves listening uh, to you. So uh, my, my good buddy who I've never met, Jason McLeod, uh, director of <laughs> scouting development, uh, drafting, all that stuff. So the one feather in his hat is his four number one draft picks. You know, Hap, hmm, well. Schwarbs, hmm, Bryant. Elmora, just today, I'm not talking about next month, last month, cow jumps over the moon. Sure. Today, Hap, Schwarber, Elmora, and Bryant, not so good. Now, Hap is, I don't want to say stinking it up because that's a mean-spirited. He's stinking it up at AAA worse <laughs> than ever. His numbers are worse than they've ever been even in the big leagues. Schwarbs, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Is he immune to going to AAA? I thought C.J. Edwards might be immune. Uh, you know, anything's possible. Uh, Bryant, we're not sending him to AAA, but right now he's in a horrible funk. But Almora, here's an interesting cat, and people love him. Joe doesn't love him as much as the fans all winter. Every day, center field leadoff, man. All right, the old five tools, which I know people probably laugh at nowadays because who cares about the five tools? He's got a great glove. He doesn't have the, the a plus arm. He doesn't have power. Hit, I don't know, you know, 275. I don't know. That's okay, maybe. You know, his, his speed is average. In fact, a baseball insider said, you know, all those great catches Elmora makes a lot of center field. Not a lot. A guy like Kane, who's upper sure. echelon, don't get me wrong. They're, they're tapping their glove and it's coming down. You know, they're not making a spectacular play. No disrespect. Those are great plays. But Elmora, you cannot say, and there's not much after him. Fred, we looked at it last time. There wasn't much in the next even couple no, of rounds. No, you know, there wasn't. One or two. But right now, you got to have these guys, you know, producing. And, and like I mentioned, the, the worst four hitters on the team right now, uh, you know, Bryant, Elmora, Schwerber, Rizzo. I mean, it's scary, but all you can say is it'll turn around, you know, and get better. Yeah, I mean, it is... Uh- Probably a coincidence that the four first-round picks are all struggling at the same time. I mean, that's probably a coincidence. We've seen them all have better mm-hmm. moments. Uh, you bring up Al Moore. It's interesting. You know, with Hap down, he never really got the bigger opportunity we thought was coming. Now, Hayward getting off to a great start hurts Al Moore. Descalso even getting off to a great start hurts Al Moore when you play the, you know, um, musical chairs with, with the positions. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy that, again, you're right. The, the, the tools in the toolbox – there's not as many as you'd want, maybe, yeah. you know, and he's, the glove is great. Contact is great. But after that, 
Mm, you know, if other people are performing, yeah. he's going to be sitting on the bench, and that's what's right. happening. Well, look at today's and, and uh, case in point. Yeah. Ben Zobris leads off today in right field. Does Kelso at second base, which kicks the red-hot Hayward over to center. So you can say it's either Descalso or Zobris taking Elmara's spot because they kick Hayward over. And, of course, if Hayward was hitting 150, okay. he'd be sitting a little bit more. So it's all three of them in a sense. And, um, you know, El- here's the problem with Elmora. It's just like Schwarber with lefties. How do you get better if you don't face the righties? Hmm. Well, you, 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 it, life isn't fair. You have to perform when you do get the chance. And he hasn't always done that. So... That it puts pressure on guys, I know, but that's that's the big leagues, right? You have to perform when given that opportunity. Yeah. He hasn't done that against righties. Eric, I know we're late, but we only get Jesse once a week because that's that's all we're on. That's all yeah. we're on. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, I'm not going to ask you about Addison Russell. He's due. May, he's uh, he's uh, he can't, he's allowed to be activated around May third, right. pending no more rainouts. That's not the question. Who would you be playing, Russell or Descalso? Uh, people are assuming that Russell's going to be in the starting lineup, and then what? You move high, you move Baez to second. Uh, I don't see him starting. No, I don't see him starting. Madden does love Russell at short, so that, of course, late in games, you could see Baez move over to second. Russell comes up as a backup. Let's assume Zagunis goes down, no other changes. Russell comes up as a backup. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He has to play his way back into uh, whatever role he's going to be. Otherwise, he's mm-hmm. the backup shortstop who plays defensively when, when Baez moves over to second. I, I don't think you can change from that until Descalso or someone else really cools off. Jesse, you're the best. Thank you so much. Now go to work, okay? This, um, this didn't count. <laughs> you got it, guys. Take care. Have Thanks, Jess. Jesse Rogers, he's the best. Oh, I know we're running late. Back in a flash. So much to cover. We got a few Twitter poll uh, qu- uh, questions out there with some interesting uh, results, Fred. I also have something that I didn't realize I tweeted out as a Twitter poll on December 30th of 2017. Nice. I want to bring it up to your attention just to see yeah. what you might think. Have you edited it? No, I have not. As a matter of fact, I just printed <laughs> up the way, exact way I did it back then. So you get a kick out of this. Vote now, Bears fans. A couple of Bears topics. Uh, we'll have your results when we return at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Ah, wind blowing again at Wrigley Field. Almost a carbon copy as yesterday. Hopefully they took the fungo bat out there and uh, both the Diamondbacks and the Cubs. Hit. Coaches, get your butt out there and hit some... F- Maybe they don't even know how to hit fungo flies anymore, Fred. Well, and my one of my buddies, and you know if he's a buddy of mine, he's got to be old, right? <laughs> so one of my buddies, Mark... Um, he said, and, and I've known this, but Mark said when my uncle Frank yeah. coached in Milwaukee, he used to hit infield before every game. We used to get there early and watch him hit pop-ups to the catcher. And at the end of the infield practice, the infielders would ask Uncle Frank to hit them pop-ups as well. Yeah, His uncle Frank was Frank Howard. And he was the coach of the, he was the assistant, one of the bench coaches for uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. The Frank Howard. The Frank Howard, yeah. The biggest man in the history the, of baseball. Yeah. yeah and he way. hit the ball farther than anybody. Exactly. And when he coached up in Milwaukee, he would, in, he would hit infield and hit the pop-ups all the time. So that, that just goes to show you what used to happen in baseball never, ever happens again. And speaking of what used to happen, yeah. some guy tweeted, and I'm not sure who he, how he did it or how he went out and found it. But he sent out a poll that I put out on December 30th of 2017. 
So that's, a, you know, a year and a half ago, okay? And I my poll was, it must have been the day I was working, everybody else was off, it was December 30th, and I'm sitting here going, what am I going to talk about? So here's what I brought up. I said, hey, Cubs fans, would you trade Albert Almora and Ian Happ to Miami for Christian Yelich? Huh. 55% of those responding said no. People love Almora. <laughs> says oh. Guy says, only fans who don't actually watch the game would be in favor of this trade. Almora has been stellar, and Happ is going to be a star. Yelich isn't going to make the Cubs better by giving us up those two players, so why would you even risk it? Now, in defense of a lot of people, they didn't watch a lot of Miami or Florida, whatever it was, then Marlin baseball. Yes. I mean, in, you know, in but, defense is all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't believe he would make them better, and Happ and Almora already do, especially if Happ takes another step and Almora just continues to play as he does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Happ can play infield and outfield. He's also the fastest guy in the team, translates to the outfield. Uh, I don't believe the Cubs are any better by adding Yelich without Almora and Happ. All right, so uh, you just gotta you gotta think about things ahead of time. Glad you brought up Ian Happ because <laughs> last seven with Jesse, I said how he's playing just horrible, and and I don't like to say things you know without maybe every once in a while actually having some facts. You don't like to say things willy nilly. I like that expression. <laughs> so but do I actually. Eric never heard of it before. <laughs> he knows willy and nilly. Okay, yeah, I know willy nilly. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Fred, we got to know our audience. Uh huh. All right. And, Eric is forced to listen, so he is our uh, audience today. Ian Happ down at AAA uh, Iowa. You ready for this? Yeah. Are you sitting down, everybody? Uh, Fred, you are. Eric, you I are. I am until my watch tells me to stand up. 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure what that is, but it, I think I know what it means. All right. Uh, 56 at bats. All right. Yeah. Small sample size. All right. Seven hits. That means he's hitting 214. But once he's on base, Murph, no one cares about batting average. Well, his on base is 267. But here's here's the number. 56 at bat, 7 hits, 1 homer, 3 walks, 22 strikeouts. Let that sink in. That's not good. 3 walks, 22 strikeouts. You may never see him again in the big leagues ever. Not if that continues. I mean, I'm not rooting against right. him. Not if that continues. No. Yeah. And like I, Jesse was on, no one expected Hap to go down. No one expected, well, you know, C.J. Edwards, you know, well, his, he was so horrible he had to. But Schwarber, I mean, another month goes by. You know, what's he in 202 today? You know, I mean, I, it's unthinkable that he would go another month and not be able to hit more than 202. Well, is this a time where we actually say, you know, do we start to question the players or what the team asked them to do? Ah. Because both of these guys, think about it. Schwarber and Hap, what did we hear? The best pure hitter in the draft. Two times in a row we heard that from Schwarber and Hap. This guy is the best pure hitter. We put him in, he'll hit forever. See, now ha- neither of them are hitting. See, Hap, I know what they were thinking. They thought they had the Ben Zobrist replacement right, right. because he was a guy that feared, supposedly could be like Zobris play second base, left field, right field, switch hit. It was the same guy. Yeah. You know, I mean. Except for one thing. Yeah, he's no good. And No, except for one thing. It's, it wasn't like he did this elsewhere. They thought he was a guy that could go and play those other positions, even though he never did. Yeah. He's, Maybe that kind of pressure, you know, screwed up his at bat and it got into his head. You and, know what he is in the field, don't you? Got you got the yips. Remember the word I used? 
No. He's a brick. Oh. Yeah. That's inside baseball lingo for a guy who, when the ball like hits his glove, it clangs yeah. like it hit a brick. Or like the old metal garbage can lid, you know, with the handle. You put that on like a glove. Clang. So, yeah, you wonder you wonder if they change the swing and the approach of both these guys who all the way through the the their college and they're both college guys their college and minor leagues mm. were just raking just hitting everything that was pitched to them and then they got to major league bat hitting coaches well, you're right. and they made them do well, something you know different. It it's because and it's Theo's people only look at numbers. See? They crunch the numbers. Oh, look at this guy hat. Look at his numbers. And then what happens? Well, they find out the guy isn't all there. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not all there. Well, got, but it's numbers. See, all they look at is the numbers. Yeah, they look at Darvish. He had good numbers. Then they think, oh, my gosh, we didn't realize. Well, everybody in baseball realized you have to look with Darvish more than the numbers. Yeah, I'm just thinking that a lot of times you just leave guys alone. I've talked to some hitting coaches um, in baseball, and I asked them, I go, what do you do with a guy like this? And they say, nothing. I just let him go. I don't change his approach. I don't do anything until he stops hitting. And then he comes to me and we go over stuff. And I just, I don't know for sure. I'm just concerned that both Hap and Schwarber had their style and everything changed a little well, bit. And on that point, great point, dovetail you. So Jesse mentioned Anthony Rizzo had, was, had a terrible April last year. And then around May 1st, yeah, he started, started hitting like crazy. But, we all know why, because it was uh, inside story was was tell you, told me that on May first last year, Anthony Day, Anthony Rizzo said to Chili Davis, politely, I'm sure, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> is that polite? Yeah. Well, yeah. Please don't is. talk to me anymore. Now, whatever the new hitting coach, his name is Ayacoca or whatever. Because it doesn't matter. The new because there'll be another Ayapochi. Whatever. Yeah. Thank you. Ayapochi, May first. Is Rizzo going to do the same thing and say, hey, you know what? It's time for him to start hitting. Don't ever talk to me yeah. again. It worked last year. Yeah, a lot of times hitting coaches, you know, when a guy's hitting the ball, and the guy I'm talking about was Greg Walker. I had asked him, how you go, how do you oh, talk? Yeah. I go, how do you talk to Alexi <laughs> Ramirez? Yeah. I go, he swings and he goes, I don't say anything to Alexi. When he's not hitting, he comes to me, and then we change, we work on stuff and see what he was doing when he was hitting the ball instead of changing a guy's approach at the plate while he's hitting. So... Let's go to uh, again. I've not. I haven't been in the Cubs locker room in a while. Never been in a locker room. I used room. to be, but not anymore. Never had a press pass. Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski, the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Very simple. The Bears will have only seven noon starts, at least as of now on the schedule. Things can flex, as we know. A. I like that that they only have seven. I hate that. They only have seven noon starts, or I don't care. It's Bears football. Any time is fine with me. I'm voting. I hate it. I don't know why. I like noon starts. I like noon Sunday. It just has a rhythm to me. Sort of rounds out the week, but... Uh, what do I know? Well, you you know, know and the funny thing friend? is, well, funny thing is, one of their noon starts is a six o'clock start in London. It's true, but it's a noon start yeah, here. Exactly. Um, I don't mind it as much, mm -hmm. uh, and I know I heard Sylvie talking about it too. A lot of people. Oh, what do you say? This way, you get a chance to watch uh, a lot of the other noon starts on the Red Zone, or if okay. you have the NFL package through Directv. All right. Uh, so I don't mind it, uh, and obviously the prime time is great. They're only on one Monday night, but they're on you know some afternoon games and things like that. 
that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't mind it as much. Eric, did you vote? I My vote is, I, I guess I hate it. I don't necessarily say I hate it, but I like the noon starts. I like the idea of, like, you get your breakfast, you go out, you do your morning chore, and then it's football. Bears are here. Like, uh, I like that. So, in other words, I should have phrased it, I strongly dislike it because <laughs> the word hate is it's I, strong. It's no, 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 not for me, it's not. <laughs> I, yeah, I throw hate around all the time. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but... I like the Brewers pitcher. Don't be a hater. <laughs> well, huh? he got rocked. The, he got rocked yesterday. I know. Yeah, he can only pitch two or three times a week. Well, when you have him go two and third innings, <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. What the fans tough. say? What the Bears fans say there, Eric? At the bottom is twenty five percent saying that they like that the Bears only have seven noon starts. Thirty four percent of the voters said any time is fine, uh-huh. and forty one percent hate that the Bears yes. only have seven yes. noon starts. I like the noon starts, but. Now, Tom Waddle says hate's a strong word, so he would not have said that. He would have said something else. I like Tom Waddle. So do I. I just like messing with him. He probably hates me. No, <laughs> I, he would never hate no, you. I see him once a year at the company holiday party. Usually when we both have to go to the uh, bathroom at uh, the great, what's the great place we go to? The, uh, Chicago Cut. Chicago Cut. Chicago Cut. Yeah. Tom, how you doing? Covington, Kentucky. I said I was there watching the Cubs and the bleacher bums and we went across. The, he said, the travel lodge? I go, yeah, that's where we said, They tore that down. I go, oh, they better. Yeah. Back in a flash, <laughs> Murph and Fred ESPN went back. You should see the travel lodge in Covington across the river. Whoa! Get rolling, Murph and Fred. Hope you're having a great holiday weekend. Weather nice today. Windy at Wrigley Field and supposed to be gorgeous. Sound like Barbara Streisand. Hello, gorgeous. Yeah, see, it usually it usually rains on Easter. Um, you're right, it does. Yeah, it almost always rains on Easter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe not going to do it today. I'm, as soon as I leave here, I'm going to the fire game. I'm going to miss the first half because yeah. the fire play uh, Colorado at noon. And then the uh, the uh, Red Stars, the Chicago Red Stars, the women's uh, soccer team plays right after nice. that. So if Good. you're going out, you get two games for the price of one. It's like a it's like a regular doubleheader. Don't let it rain on your Easter parade. No. Because, Fred, your Easter bonnet looks very nice on you right yeah. now. Well, Is that my, extra large, My bonnet? Easter bonnet, you, it, it has a White Sox logo on it, but yeah. <laughs> And then, by the way, the White Sox have been rained out in Detroit. They will play a doubleheader day-nighter in August, so they play again tomorrow. They kind of knew that was going to happen. Sounded like it on the TV yeah. last night, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. Oh. They've, they've been they've been doing that a lot lately where, you know, they're calling games off early and not waiting a while. Both, I mean, both, I think all of baseball has done it. Well, it's like, easy. why hang around for hours and, and hours? And the Cubs said uh, when they banged one early, it's I was easy. just going to say bang it because... Well, that's, that's the inside word. That's the phrase now yeah. everybody's using, well, yeah. That's, it's been around forever, but now people know it. Yeah. So, But uh, now it's easier to communicate with social media. You can let your season ticket holders know right away, hey, don't bother driving down. Even though right. we can sell some concessions. Though it's interesting at Wrigley Field, uh, if they don't call it, I believe I have this right, within three hours before the game, all the union vendors get paid. F- f- something along those lines. You, right? know, you probably get your hourly fee, but that's well, not what the vendors make. Well, you don't get yeah. the commission. Right. Oh, right. I yeah. was, right. Exactly right. But that's sometimes unbelievable as it might sound. Why they, oh, we got to bang it right now because one more minute we got to. Oh, yeah. Really? Really? That's what you're worried about? Let's bring in. Uh, EO11, let's fly through a few of our Twitter poll questions from about an hour ago. Anything changed here, Eric? Uh, Fred Eloy will be the White Sox designated hitter. He had a little rough go in left field, Ooh. Fred talked about last night. Imagine uh, hurt himself out he'll there. He'll be the DH after uh, 
Either someone or himself, right? Exactly. Yeah. After Jose Abreu, yes or no? Were the fans about consistent on that one? Uh, any changes, Eric? Um, it's actually grown. So right now, fifty-eight <laughs> percent okay. of the uh, Twitter followers say that yes, he will end up being a DH after Abreu's gone. Okay, forty-two percent didn't see the game. Yeah, that's that's got to be it because <laughs> they've the fifty. Uh, you know, forty-two percent have not seen how bad he really is mm-hmm. uh, in that area because okay. it's it's sad. Uh Oh, I'm interested in this one because we ran this three weeks ago, and I can tell you now it was 75% to 25%. The question remains the same as three weeks ago. The Cubs' number one strong suit is their pitching or their hitting. Hitting one, 75% to 25%. Three weeks ago, I voted pitching, and people said, well, you're an idiot. I go, well, thank you. I usually am. Is it still EO11, 75% saying the Cubs' strong suit is their hitting? It is 76% saying that the hitting is their strong point. Oh, my God. They just won 31 <laughs> innings of scoreless baseball the yeah. most since 1976. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, when, going into the season, <laughs> going into the season, you knew that the Cubs, yeah. you know, could have had. A lot of people said the Cubs do have the best starting five in baseball. Uh, some people were comparing it to Boston's, and uh, Boston's off to a bad start. Nathan Evaldi now going on the IL. Fred, I'm not going to bore everybody with a bunch of numbers. I'm not John DeWan. In the uh, John last... DeWan by the way, John DeWan never bores us with numbers. That's, no, no. I, thank you, Fred. Yes. Thank you. Well, he's, that's because he's entertaining. Yes. And I'm not. <laughs> In uh, the last seven games, Cubs starters have an ERA combined of 0.96. The bullpen in the last uh, uh, 10 games, relievers have an ERA 1.16. Uh, and on and on, but uh, right now 75% say their strength is uh, hitting. Okay, that's fine. But as I mentioned, 31 innings, Fred. Uh, the most scoreless innings in a row since 19, what, 76? Yeah, we it's been really good. Hey, E11, pull up real quick. I didn't do this quick. The Cubs uh, uh, roster, numbers, whatever. Who are some of the guys that we're talking about 1976? Let's see if we, we remember. Uh, was that Big Daddy Rick Russell, Dennis Lamp, Mike Krukow? Any of those names on there? What Rick Russell was. All right. Um, one of the pitchers, their fifth starter, is on the White Sox broadcast now. Stoney. Yep. I didn't, I didn't think it was Benetti. I was going to say Farmio would have <laughs> would have quit before he pitched for the Cubs. Yeah, the way he is, you're right. I quit. Uh huh. Oh, by the way, we got breaking news from Wrigley Field, according to Joe Madden. Jesse's lid just flew across the no. grandstand. Brendan Morrow is. Uh, is in shutdown mode after not bouncing back well from mm-hmm. a mound session earlier in the week. And eh, no surprise to me. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little Haven't while longer. I heard nothing about him in about four weeks, which is usually glaring. So, you know who's mad today? Tom Ricketts is a little upset from <laughs> after all that money that was spent last year. Yeah, but not the Morrow family. They're very happy. Well, all right, Rick. Rick you get paid either Rick way. It's Russell, baseball. Stoney, Ray Burris. Was he still on that team? Who we Ray got there? Burris. Year eleven. Yes, he was. All there right. is one Hall of Famer on this roster. Bruce Suter. Correct. And the Cubs were in first place in '76 till about June or July, when all of a sudden they had to shut down Bruce Suter. He had a knot 
K-N-O-T on the back of his shoulder. I read in the Daily News. It was a thing they used to send out and you'd read stuff. The Daily News, he's got a knot behind his shoulder the size of a tennis ball. I go, that's no Gouda. No, that's not good at all. 1976. Save some of those names. When we return, Rick Kempfer's going to join us. I know that name. Yeah, everyone knows Rick. He has a, he's a man after my own heart. He wrote a book, Fred, which I wish I'd have thought of, but it probably took five, ten years to do. Oh, I think you're thinking more. Every guy that ever played for the Cubs, he wrote a little, a couple paragraphs about each guy. We'll throw him some names and not just a bunch of numbers, but little stories and anecdotes, not just recent. From the 1880s till last September, anyone that played for the Cubs, and we'll throw some names at him. If you want to uh, uh, call in EO11, I'll write it down. Uh, we'll visit with Rick next. It's Murph and Fred ESPN 1000. Ray Burris. Oh, he could throw. He could hit. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Hour number three, Mike Murphy, Fred Huebner, every Saturday, 9 till noon. We'll get back on the uh, games on the field. Cubs and Sox talk in a little while, but... Well, no no Sox game on the field today. They um, got rained out in Detroit. Had an interesting game yesterday. We'll yeah. get back to all that. But let's, let's go over by Murph's library for a minute. And uh, Fred, a lot of people, everyone in town, uh, almost everyone... Knows uh, Rick Kempfer's heard of him or uh, knows him. Hey, it's Murph here and uh, Fred alongside Rick Kempfer. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing great. Great, Rick. I'm going to call you media man around town. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've I've never got had a chance to meet you, but I've heard your name uh, uh, for 30 years. Uh, how would you, what does your business card say other than media man about town, author, uh, baseball fan, sports guy? Right. Yes, uh, I'm a publisher, a publisher of Eckhart's Press, a local publishing company. But yeah, I was a radio guy for 25 uh-huh. years. I remember. So uh, there's hope for all of us then, right? After our yeah. career, after after that's over, we can we can branch out. Yeah, Fred's Press. <laughs> there you go, Rick. Uh, you're a man after my own heart. Uh, I heard about a book. We'll find out how to get it. It's uh, just, I believe, what coming out this week. But first things first, the title. Why didn't I think of this, Fred? It's called Every Cub Ever. And uh, it's about 30,000 pages, and it weighs about 50 pounds. That's why you want to read it and buy it online. Right, Rick? It is It is a hefty tome. Yes, it is. Well, let me ask. So we did it. I'm sorry. We go, originally go did it in like five, five and a half by eight and a half, you know, like a regular trade paperback, and it was over 700 pages. Yeah. So now it's the size of an uh, encyclopedia instead. So it's well, eight and a half by 11. So this is, uh, Fred, this is like every Cub since about 1969, I'm guessing, to the present, or maybe World War II. Uh, or wait a minute. Every, it says every, every cup, cup ever. ever. Yeah. What? So what are we? What year are we going back to, Rick? Eighteen seventy-one. No. <laughs> yes, they played one year before the <laughs> Chicago Fire uh, burned down the whole city, including their ballpark, and then they started up again in eighteen seventy-four. So, but I got that eighteen seventy-one team uh, included in this too. All right. Well, I don't want to ask you how long this took because it took more than a couple of days. But <laughs> ten years. <laughs> How many? Ten years. All right. All right. But then everyone's saying, 
How did this start? I I looked a little at your forward and some great stuff, and the book is so much fun, Fred. Uh, but yeah, interesting way you were doing some other thing with Cubs birthdays and that, and then one day, well, how that how that all come down? So I have a website uh, that I've been writing for years called Just One Bad Century, and it was really <laughs> like a look at uh, you know Cubs history. And I, I started out doing it trying to figure out you know the whole curse thing. Uh, and realized there was no curse, of course. It's just a bunch of incompetence running the club for many, many years. Nice. <laughs> but while I was doing that, I had these little features. I had a feature called Great Nicknames, where I started writing about these players with cool nicknames. And then one year I decided to write about all the Cubs that are having birthdays on that day. And at the end of the year, I realized, well, geez, they all have birthdays, right? I must have written about every single Cub. Mm-hmm. But it turns out I hadn't. There were more than a hundred that they don't know the birthdays of, and so I then started researching them as well. So, what's the total number? Or did you get so tired at the end you never bothered counting? How many do we have here? All told, guys that played for the every guy that ever played every cub ever. How many? Yeah, two thousand one hundred and eighty-six. <laughs> 2,186. Now, the biggest question is who will be two thousand one hundred eighty-seventh. Well, there probably is already a guy on the team this year that didn't play for them last year. Because the book uh, got printed just a couple okay. months ago. It's just coming yeah. out now. He'll be in the he'll be in the, next, <laughs> the the follow-up copy, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have to put a new one out every year, right? Every year, the second and third yeah. edition, you keep going. <laughs> so I'm, That's right. So I'm reading a little bit over the last few days. I mean, it, it's so much fun. And, you, you know, you pick out a name. We'll do that in a minute with Rick Kemp for our guest. And uh, every club uh, ever. And it's not... Fred, just a bunch of stats and numbers like, you know, the baseball encyclopedia. Right. Sure, there's some numbers, but they're interesting numbers or something weird, you know, that No, weird things happen to former <laughs> cup players? But it's a couple <laughs> paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, the most obscure, in fact, we'll, we'll throw a few at you in a minute here, Rick, see if you have to go to the book or if you could do it you know, off the top of your head, but yeah. the most obscure Cubs and little stories, little vignettes, uh, and some Numbers thrown in, but rest assured, it's not just a bunch of you know filling pages with with numbers, right? You know, yeah. so uh, I was looking for the stories. That was oh, the part that interested me. It's terrific. So there's a, basically every every player's got his own story, one way or another. I mean, even if you even if you went to a guy like a, a Kevin Ory, it's funny. <laughs> uh, people always thought you know a guy that would be the, the you know the, the next the next Rod Santo. And one of the yeah. Kevin Ory's got he's known for something else. I don't know if it's in the book, but there's the one thing that he's known for. I think that people you know may not remember about Kevin Ory. Do you, do you have that in the book? The Kerry Wood. Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> it got me nervous. Now. No, no, no. They had the Kerry the Kerry Wood twenty strikeout game. Oh yes, right. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He was the one that made a, a semi error. Yes. Call it that uh, in that game. I was at that game. Yeah. No, it was cold and rainy, and there were about ten people there, Rick. Yeah. And it I was, was a, one of them. A, a, a three and a half hopper to his left. All he had yep. to do was scoop it up, throw it first, and it would also have been a perfect game. But that yep. was Kevin Ory. All right, uh, Larry Bittner, one of my favorite guys of all time. Because you're two I's and two T's, is that why? Double I, double T. There you go. Look at my guy, Fred. Yeah. So, uh, Larry Bittner, uh, you know, sort of a part-time outfielder, played with the Cubs. Uh, that's the type of name I'm thumbing through the other day. And those are the guys that everyone just loves to remember and read about. Right, Rick? Yes, absolutely. Those are the ones that I got a big kick uh, researching. 
I, he was one of my favorites, uh, Larry Bittner. Of yeah. course, uh, you know, he was part of a trade that uh, traded away someone better. Do you remember who? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, that was the uh, Montreal Expo. Uh, wait, no, I don't. Give me it. So uh, he was part of the trade that, uh, let's see, that cost the Cubs, I believe, uh, Andre Thornton. Andre Thornton. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve Renko was involved or some goofy That's thing. Correct. Too. Very um, good. God, well, you're uh, I'm I'm not going to write the book. Thank goodness you did. All right. <laughs> All right. Now Rick there's a there's and uh uh Fred, I know you got a list. Uh, well, you know, eleven. Yeah, I got certain guys that I'm just looking because I'm looking at the at their overall lifetime career rosters and things like that. Yeah, guys, I didn't know that. I'm sure this guy was only 12 years ago. What Rocky Cherry? Yeah, Rocky Cherry. <laughs> I don't even yeah. remember him. It sounds like an ice cream flavor. Well, that's nicely put. I was going to say something I saw in a, yeah. in a movie once. Pitch, yeah. A picture back in 2007. I can't imagine <laughs> you have much of a story about him. No, not really. Uh, just that they traded him for uh, Steve Traxel. Okay, that's, uh, nice. One of the little things I remember about Rocky <laughs> Cherry. I'd have, I'd have to look him up. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> why you have every Cub ever. Yeah, and you don't yeah. have. And I know that you didn't see. I'm looking here at the at the CHs. I know you've never saw Cupid Childs play. Who? Huh? Cupid Childs. Yeah. Cupid Childs, of course. Yeah, <laughs> middle infielder. You yeah, know? that's right. And no one else Got saw him. It was before fight. TV. <laughs> every that? every cub ever. All right. Yeah, it was before. Uh, every, yeah. There was a lot of these guys before TV. All right. Uh, my lovely wife Dana, huge cub fan. She, oh, you can't use the word hate. She intensely disliked a Cubs catcher from 2003 to 2004, Paul Bacco, B A K O. Oh, yeah. My love, lovely Dana, Paul Bacco, get him out of it. Why is he playing? <laughs> do you have every? What do you have? Some thrill. Take a minute to get to it. What do we have on Paul Bacco, the third string catcher? All right, now I got to look up Bacco here. <laughs> uh, I know he's uh, two thousand three, two thousand four. Overweight, left handed catcher. He couldn't hit, and he couldn't catch, and he couldn't throw. But he was a nice fellow, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and he played twelve years. But he played for he played for just about everybody. He also was on the Tigers, Astros, Marlins, Braves, yeah. Brewers, Dodgers, Royals, Orioles, Reds, and Phillies. Yeah, and they all couldn't wait to get rid of Paul Bacco. Exactly. And he ended up with the Cubs. <laughs> when when you were Rick, when you were going through this thing, and were were there guys that you saw uh, that played just like one game with the Cubs, never played yeah. more than just one game? Yeah, here, here's one that I found really fascinating. There was a guy named Ozzy France. Ozzy France. He played one game for the Cubs in 1890. And his last <laughs> name was France. Can you guess what day he played for the Cubs? Bastille Day, of course. Bastille Day, July 14th. <laughs> <laughs> how did you... No, hold on. Hold on. Number one, how did you even find his birthday? Because some of these guys, you couldn't even locate them, right? The people never knew the birthday. And then how did you put it... So you... You must. Oh, he must. You must have majored in Fre in French in high school or something. Did you yeah, do this well, before I, Google? I went, you invented went, Google. You had to invent Google to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, there was really some of these were really hard to find. Oh yeah, some guys I just you know beat my head against the wall and couldn't find much of anything. Mm -hmm. So that was one that I thought, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I just you know a little tidbit. All right, the first one in the book, I. I intensely dislike this guy. All right? And his Why is it that all these guys you're coming up with are guys you dislike? Alphabet. Dave, David Ardsma. 
Remember this yeah. guy, Fred? Yeah, he was at the beginning of the baseball encyclopedia. Well, here's, well, here's why. Double A. His first name, David, A-A-R-D, Ardsma. And for 50 years, Hank Aaron had been one in a million. Hank Aaron was the number one name of anyone, the all-time baseball encyclopedia, pull it up, first alphabetical all-time Hank Aaron, followed number two by his brother Tommy Aaron, who didn't play much, and it was just appropriate. The great Hank Aaron is number one. And then all of a sudden along comes this guy, David Arzma, is now ahead of Hank Aaron, and number one in your book, right? Yes, exactly, he is. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's no Aarons in the Cubs. Well well put. Now, yeah, there's a Brack and a Brolio. They're pretty close to each other. Thank you for reminding yeah, me. All are, right, now let's yeah. do this. Uh, Rick Kempfer, every Cub ever. Scroll all the way down to the last name. I didn't do, I meant to do this. I don't think yeah. it's Oscar Zamora, who was a, nope. a Cub bum reliever back in like the uh, late 70s, early 80s. But uh, we know David Ardsma. Who's at the bottom do you have last? It's Dutch Zwilling. That was Z-W-I-L-L-I-N-G. That would do it, Z-W, yeah. yeah. Who is he? He was one of only two players to ever play for uh, three professional teams in Chicago. He played for the, the Cubs, the White Sox, and the Whales, the Federal Whales. Wow. That was when there were three leagues, the National League, the American League, and the Federal League came on trying to infringe in and, uh, you know, sort of like the NBA, the ABA, the AFL, the NFL. And uh, finally, the other uh, leagues had to buy them out. And the Wales uh, played in, in uh, I believe they played first at uh, what is now Wrigley Field way back when. It that- did. And the Dutch was in the first game ever at that ballpark wow. for the Wales and for the Cubs. <laughs> I'm I'm looking here, Rick, at the at the all time list of of Cubs, and I see guys that obviously played for the Cubs and for the White Sox. Do you have anything like those uh, set aside in the book, also, or is it just each and every guy individually, or do you have other different things in there? I have lots of little things like that, but uh, Doug Hunter, I didn't think of that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, yeah, the only reason that, I thought of it, I, I'm looking here, Smokey Burgess, John Buzzhart, they both played for both teams, and yeah. we, we know there's Trump. a list of a lot of other guys yeah. that have done it, yeah. Yeah. Fred. Oh, absolutely. Fred's what are, Press. What Fred's are some Press. of the other? Here comes a new book, yeah. Fred's Press. I'm every guy that played for the White Sox, but I'll have to. I'd have to get the Niles Nyman, and I don't think I want to do that. Yikes! Um, so what are some? <laughs> what are some of the other things besides just the guys and, and who they were? So, like uh, you know, the the guys that went to visit the White House, the teams that went to visit the White House. Uh-huh. Uh, the first Cubs team to visit the White House was uh, uh, at uh, visited President Cleveland. In 1888, they were there, and that was the, like, Cap Anson team. And and then they came again in 1889 and visited President Harrison. I mean, I just thought, that's interesting, you know, it was the first time that they went there. Sure. But there were Cubs named after presidents. There was George Washington Zip Zable. Oh, I remember Zip Zable. <laughs> sure, there was Abraham Lincoln Sweetbread Bailey. I worked with Sweetbread back in, well, is that 1892, I believe, yeah. Then there was, of course, Theodore Roosevelt, Ted Lilly. 
That's right. Ted Lilly's name was Theodore Roosevelt Lilly. <laughs> That's very good. good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> and another one named Calvin Coolidge, Julius Caesar, Tuscahoma, Cal McLish. Cal McLish. <laughs> and every time he came in, he pitched for the Sox and the Cubs. Okay. Back when I was a yeah. kid. And every time he came in to pitch with the White Sox, Jack Brickhouse would do the whole name every time, as he did with Minnie Minoso, but he was not with the Cubs. A couple minutes here. So oh, where, 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 can, where can fans uh, find every cub ever rick kempfer well you can find it at everycubever.com uh and also at eckhart's press that's my company e-c-k-h-a-r-t-z press.com mm-hmm. all right now young man you're not off the hook that easy okay. there's two more right. names here and uh if i'd have only known rick was doing this i would have said hey rick can i give you an anecdote on, the, on this one guy and another guy the only cub who had all five vowels in his last name, A-E-I-O-U. Rick's going, jeez, I wish I didn't know. How come Murph didn't tell me he's this? Only got a, he's only got to review 2,100 guys right now <laughs> quickly in his mind. It was a left-handed pinch hitter back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s for the Cubs. Jesus Figueroa was oh, an wow. extra outfielder in Figueroa, F-I-G-U-E-R-O-A, the only Cub ever with all five vowels. However, they had a manager also with all, Lou Boudreau. Lou had all oh, five vowels. Oh, of why didn't I, I should have got a hold of you, Rick. Yes, the next time. I'm going to call you before I write the next one. <laughs> yeah, well, in 10 years, it'll come out. I can't, I hope I get, I hope I get to see it in 10 more years. I'm, I'm just disappointed. I looked at Larry French and he was not born on Bastille Day. So you did grab the right one no, on France. That's true. And, uh, Larry French was in the D-Day invasion. There we go, see? In the Navy. was on the D-Day invasion. There we go. Uh, overweight, uh, round, left-handed starting and pitcher. Who, who knew a knuckleball specialist? Who knew? They were all back then. Yeah. They were all knuckleballers They were just then. trying to do whatever they can to get the ball over the plate. All right, pull up. I got one more. Uh, okay. Jose... Arcia, A-R-C-I-A. He was uh, Leo DeRocher's uh, fifth, uh, fourth, fifth extra in uh, extra. Oh, so he never played. Correct. Okay. Yeah, behind Papo. <laughs> right. Who never played. That's in, what happened in 69. In 67. Uh. <laughs> now, uh, and I looked and uh, Jose Arcia, uh, no one ever heard of him, but I have a, I actually have a Jose Arcia story. What do you have there on Jose Arcia? Young man, um, from Mexico, played a little bit, right? Yes, he was, uh, he played second base, third base, outfield. He, uh, was drafted away from the Cubs in the expansion draft by the, uh, San Diego Padres in 1968. Yeah, you knew the Padres are in trouble when they took him. Here's my story. And again, it's not all stats. Otherwise, it would say one career home run. All right, I right. caught I caught it barehanded. There you go. Wow. Here's the thing: I was at the curve of the well. All right, in left field, it's about 357 feet. He hit a pop up uh, on a day where, unlike yesterday, the wind was blowing. It was blowing out about like 30 miles an hour. He hit a pop up, Jose Garcia, to the shortstop, starts backpedaling, and then the left fielder comes in. That left fielder starts backpedaling. It, Keeps drifting, drifting, drifting. I'm right there. I reach over and I, it lands in my hands. No glove. It lands in my hands like it's on a parachute. It came down like a feather and I caught it. And, uh, back then you didn't give the ball to a kid. No. Never. No. 
that, write a whole book about how back then we would keep the damn ball and the kid could get his own, okay? Well, as right, as exactly. Played... You should have been better at catching it. That's right. That's right. If you want the ball, catch one. Uh, all right, Rick. Where we've overextended. Oh, here. It's our last in the letter. Letter A. We're letter only going to go through 2,181 yeah. yeah. of these guys. Oh, this is good. So, letter A. Here's uh, Rick Kemper's all time starting lineup with uh, yep. the letter. Last name starts with letter A. And the, thank goodness there's the, uh, no David Ardsman in the bullpen on this. I don't think I didn't. But here's his outfield. All right. Okay. Moises Alou in left field. The best. Left fielder with the last name Zizer with A. Center field, Hall of Famer. Not with the Cubs, though. Richie Ashburn. Okay. Had two years at the end of his career with the Phillies. You know, everyone remembered that great announcer. And right field, one of my favorite guys, big George Altman. So you're uh, outfield, Alou. You got Ashburn. You got a starting pitcher, Jake Arrieta. There you go. Uh, that was that wasn't tough finding the best guy, with, best starting pitcher with eight. But how did you can't do it with the letter Z? I don't even think there's a nine guys. Uh, no, I did. I did with the letter Z. But <laughs> letter X, there's nothing at all. There's no one that ever had the letter X. So unfortunately, unless I went with the first name Xavier Nady. Um, or, you know, Jimmy Fox had two X's at the end of his name. I, I thought about doing a chapter with X, but Xavier Nady. I opted not to. <laughs> Old double X. Hey, a great job, uh, Rick Kempfer. It's uh, every cub ever, and uh, uh, people want to get it. Tell us real quick once more. How do we get it? Everycubever.com. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, Rick. Very cool. You're a man after Thanks. my own heart. And Fred's press is starting up now on the White Sox. <laughs> on the White Sox, yeah. Yeah, he'll, he's going to try to. I know a publisher. <laughs> yes, you do. Eckhart's <laughs> press. Fred's going to try to do it nine and a half years and beat your uh, record, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'll get back to you when I'm 70. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks Rick. Rick. Take it easy. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, I'm Rick's a great guy. They got a lot of other books too that they put out. Uh, Eckhart Press. Uh, that you know they did one with uh, Mitch Michaels about all the stuff that he did and a bunch of other books. The and, radio guy. Yeah, I, know, I met Mitch once. Yeah, and I actually went and picked up the book and and, and met Rick and and Mitch Michaels out at uh, one of the record stores, uh, record shows that they have yeah. on, a, on a monthly basis, and uh, just great, great stuff. A lot of great books out there uh, with that are Chicagoly uh, located, and it's really good stuff. Fred, remember back on Belmont Avenue, we uh-huh. we share the. Uh, Little kitchen area there with the uh, the XRT yeah. DJs. We both like being a break, and uh, uh, they'd be in there. They were great. They knew nothing about sports, and uh, but we knew more. Put it this way: we know more about music than knew, they knew about sports, except for one guy. Who's that? And I actually see him pop up now yeah. in some of the Cub broadcast as the well, an original, an authentic fan, uh-huh. Lynn Bramer, well, Lynn's the who best. did the same the show at the same time we oh, did. Yeah. And one day, Lynn Bramer comes walking into the studio while we're on the air. Yeah, and he said, "Listen." This is just an all-points bulletin for anybody listening right yeah, now. Yeah. He goes, if anybody could bring me some damn sugar. He goes, because we ran out of sugar. I can't drink my coffee without any. Bring it to the back door hey. over here at Belmont, and I'll let you in, and maybe I'll give you a free T-shirt or yeah. something. And he walked out. That was it. Next thing you know, people knocking on the door. Here's your sugar, Mr. Bramer. It was very funny it stuff. Was, it was not as great. Was it, and it, wasn't, <laughs> it was nuts. It, wasn't, it was a bit, but it wasn't a bit. <laughs> no, he wanted his damn sugar. He needed sugar. 
and then they'd have like famous people in the studio, and sometimes All the time. You'd, you'd be in like the the men's room. Yeah, hey, Robert Plant's next to me. Yeah, really, the guy from Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah, the guy from Zeppelin. And well, how like, many other Robert Plants do you know? And it was like a, a real, you know, tiny little, and they'd be like two urinals. Yeah, right. I'm next to uh, Fogarty, right? <laughs> yeah, John Fogarty. John Fogarty. Yeah, it would be before or after he wrote Centerfield. This would have been probably before. Right, yeah. yeah. So I'm taking a break from the uh, and uh, four commercials. You know, you run in there, and there's Fogarty next to me, and he's you know he's standing there, and I don't know what to say. That's why I didn't say any. What are you gonna say? Yeah. You know, uh, hey man, you're the greatest. One of the greatest and, songwriters you're like two, rock and roll, two inches yeah. away from him. Uh huh. Who was the D- <laughs> who was the DJ? That you know, and he used to call everybody, "Hey, Daddy O." Remember that guy. Hey, Daddy-O. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. He's, yeah. He's still doing stuff. Yes, he is. He's a great guy. Yeah. And uh, why am I blanking? I yeah, hate I Daddy-O. Too. Bobby Skafish. Skafish. Yeah. Rob S. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's the best. Rob S. So uh, they'd, be, they'd be doing like a four-minute, uh, three, and he'd run in, and uh, and I'd say to him, uh, stay away to heaven. You know, because that was like six minutes, and, you know, and I got it to Vita. <laughs> yeah. So he had like eight minutes, and then... Rob S., you knew nothing about sports, but he'd always ask me the same thing. He'd go, how the squad's doing, my friend? Yeah. The squads. Yeah. Squads are doing great, Bobby Rob. Scaf- Bobby Scafish. <laughs> I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I said Mitch Michaels. It was Bobby Scafish oh, that has the book out. Even better. With Rick Kempfer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, but, yeah, it, and it's a great, great book. The reason you, it reminded me is Bobby Scafish's book, uh-huh. Bobby and, and Rick were at the at the record uh, show, and uh, it's great because he talks about all the guys that came into the studio to do uh, interviews. Okay. Yeah. Rick's probably listening now. I got it right finally, Rick. Murph and Fred back in the last talking about the squads, my friend. Yeah. CSPN 1000. Throw the anchor out the rear speedboat here, Fred. Let's get rolling. Oh, real quick. Miss a little, miss a lot. Dan Plezak was on the uh, station this week. He's Uh the best. He's the best. Yeah, he's really good. And, uh... We had a Twitter poll about an hour ago. Cubs fans, uh, the Cubs' uh, main strength is at A, they're pitching, or B, they're hitting. Same as three weeks ago. I was a little surprised. Everyone's t- hitting 76%. Well, and if, if that's true, then they're looking pretty good because uh, here's Danny Plesek, uh yesterday, about 10.27, well, exactly 10.27 in the morning, talking about the Cubs pitching. When it's all said and done, the Cubs' starting pitching is far, far superior to any other team in the NL Central, and that will keep them close. Hopefully, I agree. Hopefully. I agree. Uh, Fred, I know we got some... Completely uh, agree. I want to talk about the uh, American League Central. Quick, though, let's bring in EO11, tie up a few loose ends. One of our Twitter poll questions... Uh, this is going to make everyone mad at, uh, I think, both of us, Fred, because uh, the question was that's, simple. That's not rare. Tim Anderson, would you say it this way? Would you use this phrase if you were talking to someone? Tim Anderson got beamed in the rear end No, the other day. No, I would not. I know. But we fought this war before this battle, and we're going to lose, I believe. Uh, you don't get, you get, no, you get beamed in the head. That's your bean. Right. But. Yeah, what are you going to do? We can't fight City Hall. It's a snowball rolling downhill. He got beamed in the leg. No, no, he got no, beamed only, in the ankle. You can only get beamed in the head. 
You get yeah. hit in the bean is I what know, it is. I know that. Let's find out. By the way, EO11, I'm afraid to ask. Did you vote? How would you vote on this, young man? I would say two years ago, uh-huh. I would have said that's how I would say it. But I've heard you guys correct it so many times. Yes. And now I know that that is not how the phrase is oh, supposed to be used. So God, I y'all love taught that. me. All week. All week. National. I'm not, I'm not national. Oh, he got beamed in the, you know, fanny or whatever words we're allowed to say, you know. But uh, that means nothing. Perception's reality. What the fans vote. 61% of the fans say yes. That's how they would yeah, say that phrase. It's, it's over, fellas. Yeah. You know where this began? Because I'd like to get a hold of that person. I heard Steve Dahl 25, 30 years ago. Uh-huh. And Steve's L.A. You know, Steve's L.A. guy. And he had a lot of phrases from, you know, his right. L.A. days. And he was sort of new here. He goes, and something he was talking about because he's a big baseball fan. And, yeah. And he said, oh, yeah, so-and-so got beamed in the uh, ankle yesterday. I go, Steve. And I'd never heard that. Right. So I realized, not that Steve Dahlbrot, but it was an L.A. thing, and slowly Maybe. things, yeah. you know. Like, people say, now, go, going to go to the DMV. Well, we don't have a DMV in Illinois. We have the Secretary of State. Right. But the DMV is California, and you know what? See, here's the thing. It's easier to spit out, oh, I'm going to the DMV, then I'm going to the Secretary of State. No. So whatever's easier... People will gravitate to. Sure will. But we don't have a DMV. Yeah. Question: When Darvish hit the guy in the Family Jewels, would that be beaned? No, no. Just saying. Think about it. <laughs> yeah, no. he got jeweled. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I he know got where you're going. Jewels in no. the ankle. Yeah. What? Yeah, oh wow! And, I got to and, meet that guy. And I got to tell you, for a day and a half, people talked about it. And I could not have been more disgusted. More, more. Uh, it was ridiculous. Well, then you won't like this. Quite this. No, I'm sure part. I won't. Eo. Here was my question, and it's been on board for about four hours. Tim Anderson should have just walked to first base. Yes or no? Tim Anderson, get hit in the fanny, should have just walked to first base. Yeah, I'm not taking a stance necessarily. I'm just, I'm interested. Now, is this a runaway? Give me a tease here. Runaway or is it a little closer? I will say it's definitely not a runaway. Tim Anderson should have just walked to first base. Well... Had the people? Well, yes. I, I would have said I'm yes. Sorry. I would have said well, yes. He right. should have just walked to first base. Right, Fred. Forty-nine percent of the voters would agree with oh you. Oh my God! Right down the middle, split. almost. Yeah, fifty-fifty. Yeah. Now see, that's why there's so much discussion. People are torn on this, and we're not going to rehash, uh, replow the cornfield. Yeah. Here, you know, I would have. He should have expected it after he threw the bat in the second inning home run. I mean, I had no problem with him flipping the bat, but you've got to expect it. I don't care what the millennials think about how things should and shouldn't be done. That's the way it's done in baseball. Uh, unless the millennials played baseball their entire life, including through high school, college, and the minor leagues, that's the way baseball's played. So you want to get rid of something, you, you want to feel upset about it, that's not going to change. Well, it's always going to be if you show somebody up or you, th- or they think you showed them mm-hmm. up, and they're the pitcher they're going to throw the ball at you. And it was not going to hurt him hitting him in the buttocks. Right. Yeah. Now. So anyway. Here's something I... He didn't throw it in his head. Right. He threw it behind him. Now everyone says... Hit him in the butt. We want celebration. I understand that. We want people showing their emotion. Fine. But there's a word called taunting. All right? Now here. And you can you can argue all day whether that was a taunt or not. That's But that's the thrust, the crux of the matter. Now... People, NFL, they dance in the NBA. Now, here, taunting. 
the NFL taunting rule, all right? And then I have the NBA taunting rule. Okay. Let the record show MLB does not have a taunting rule. Okay, now, here we go. Real quick, NFL taunting rule. The league beefed up, this is SB Nation, the uh, league beefed up its taunting rule, the NFL, and celebration rules back in 2015. NFL placed greater emphasis on policing celebration. NFL, here we go, limited unsportsmanlike conduct directed at an opponent, including uh, spiking the ball, insulting language, and baiting or taunting. All right, I'm just, I'm not taking even an opinion. I'm just putting these facts out for everybody. Oh, the NBA, I love the NBA, all right? What do you know? NBA has a taunting rule. MLB doesn't. NBA says a technical foul for taunting, and quote, the taunting of an opponent is never permitted. So the MLB does not have a taunting rule. So the question all week should be this. Was Tim Anderson taunting uh, Brad uh, Keller, the pitcher? Now, we don't know. This yeah. is where, well, I mean. There's no way he was taunting Keller because he never looked at Keller after he okay. after he hit the home run. What about the way he threw the bat into the dugout? Yeah, that's, uh, you can't, I'm, you can't call taunting throwing the bat. Now, what though if the pitcher perceived it, not you, not me, not a, the pitcher perceived it as taunting, then it's one-on-one. See, football, yeah, you beat the cornerback. I understand the, the wide receiver in the corner, but it's it's not one-on-one. The, the, most, the most one-on-one, mano-on-mano is pitcher and catcher. You can argue about slam dunk. You posterized him. You do all this right. stuff. Now, uh, Eric Ostrowski found this. Uh, we have the sound bite here. Now, the actual occurrence uh, after he gets hit in the uh, buttocks. Uh, here's the Kansas City Royals television. Uh, let's see if they paint it a little differently. And, uh, you know, hey, uh, Jason Benetti had his spin on it, and that's fine. He's paid to have an opinion. Uh-huh. Fine. But you might find this opinion no surprise. Maybe the Royals guys, and I don't know their age bracket, if they're, you know, old school, new school, but. You know, when the whose ox is being gored, as they used to say, right? Let's listen in. Royals uh, TV. And Maldonado gets right in Anderson's face after Kellum, Keller drills him with the first pitch. And here we go. Well, it's not the first time. And let me give you a disclaimer. I'm not blaming either side, but this is not the first time Tim Anderson has done that on a home run with the Royals and the Royals have not appreciated it either time. No, I mean that that was pretty flagrant, especially after he threw the bat and then he he yelled something and it looked like it was it, it towards Baldonado. I mean, you know, those are things that, that happen. Alex got one in the ribs early in the game. Hey, maybe that's the payback. And if you're going to do it, get him below the waist. Exactly where he got it. And just you, you can't you can't expect to to just be flagrant and flaunt like that, you know, and show your opponent up without any repercussions. 
All right, highlights courtesy Fox Sports Kansas City. Just like in the old fans uh, court, Judge Murphy, Bailiff Hubner, just wanted to present, you know, both sides. Everybody sees it differently, and that's that's what makes sports talk radio. Fred. Here's the thing is, after he threw the bat, he never, he may have said something. He never looked at the catcher. Maldonado when he hit the home run. That's correct. Never. He looked at. He looked straight at the Sox dugout. He threw the bat and then he turned and ran to first base. He never looked at Maldonado. We don't know because we weren't on the field if he said anything to him. Murph and Fred back in a flash still have a lot to shove into the old twenty pound bag. Stick around. ESPN one thousand. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. No one, Fred, I figured this out. No one cares about the infield fly rule. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. It's no. stupid. I don't know what to. In fact, now, you'll be watching like national TV. They'll be first and second. Nobody will be. But they don't even they say. They don't even mention it. I know. So the wind's blowing yesterday. This is pretty interesting. Uh, so here's uh, Len Casper yesterday. Hayden makes a good point on Twitter. The infield fly rule probably should not apply today. Because if you can't, now I suppose you could have a bases loaded pop-up with nobody out and there's scrambling going on, but typically is called the infield fly, meaning the batter's out before it even lands. Uh, thank you, NBC Sports Chicago. It it's is, nuts, yeah. In, in the rule book, it states... Uh, infield fly, first and second, first, second and third, none of one out that can be handled with ordinary effort. Right. By the infield. There was no ordinary effort by any of the Diamondbacks yesterday. So maybe you cannot. Maybe, uh, Aiden, that was pretty interesting, yeah. I thought, right? Yeah, that was good. Uh, so real quick, Fred, the, uh, American League Central, is it up for grabs? Uh, are the White Sox, are all five teams bunched up or is Cleveland still gonna run away? Well, I think it's, I think they have a chance to, uh, it'll be bunched for at least three or four teams, but, uh, uh, Indians just got Lindor back. They just activated him and and uh, designated uh, Hanley Ramirez for assignment. Despite their problems and their struggles, they still have some pitching. Carrasco pitched well the other day. Bauer, mm. uh, they're eleven and seven. They have a one game lead over the Twins. Yeah. Detroit's two and a half back. Sox three and a half. But I think once the Sox get it figured out, that they actually could make it interesting in the division throughout the course of the year. Standard Cubs lineup if you're going to Wrigley Field. Zobras, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, Hayward, Descalso, Schwarber, Darvish in the nine hole. The wind, when it, blow, when it blows in like this on a cool day, yeah. it, it, it used to be I could you could sit in the center field bleachers. It was coming in right off the lake from like that would be in from the northeast, not just the north. And the sun would be beating down and you could be out there in a t-shirt uh, and warm sure. and you look up and the uh, upper deck, the poor people coming in, you know, from Schaumburg in the upper deck, and and they got seven blankets on and yeah. they're wrapped up. And, it's cold up there in that upper deck. It's a 30, 40 degree difference, wind chill or whatever you want to call it, if you're in the bleachers and the wind's coming in compared to if you're up there. Yikes. Yeah, it's nuts up there. No. Anywhere in the shade, at any ballpark, if you're in the shade. My brothers and I, and, uh, I went to a Sox game a couple weeks ago on a yeah. Tuesday. We were in the sun for the first six innings. And, the, and then when the shade got there, at least uh, 30 degrees oh, yeah. difference. At least. Yeah, and the wind yeah. would blow over your head like over the scoreboard in the old days. Yeah. And you didn't, oh, it's beautiful. No, the poor people, oh my God. If we're coming in from Schaumburg, bring a sweater. About 20 of them. Yeah, at least. Uh, EO11, real quick. Brian, uh, Ryan Pace, draft day is going to A, sit tight, B, trade up, C, trade down and accumulate. What the fans say? 
Uh, from bottom top, 22% said he will accumulate and move down. Mm-hmm. Uh, 29% said uh-huh. he'll trade up. Uh-huh. And 49% believe he'll sit tight. He can't. It's not in his DNA. Yeah, I, think it, I, think, I think he'll move down. <laughs> I think he'll move down, but I think he'll trade. He'll move like uh, you know from fifth to another extra seventh or something like that. A guy that he wants to get, but doesn't want to risk having him sign as free agents because if there's a guy he wants in that seventh round, he wants to have an extra pick to be able to get him. He's got up to four or five uh, fifth round picks next year. See if he might want to package something. We'll find out next week. Uh, This one was for Fred. I put it out there. Twitter poll question: Home. Plate ball strike umpiring. It's A, embarrassing. B, it's horrible. C, it's both embarrassing and horrible. D, it's acceptable. What they say? What? Please tell me that Fred won't pop a cork here, Eric. What they no, say? No, Fred's gonna be happy. All so, right. uh, 14% said embarrassing. 19% said horrible. Uh-huh. 29% said acceptable. Yeah. 38% said it's both embarrassing and horrible. Yeah, that should it be, is. That should be 100. Yeah. It's, it, it, there's no doubt it's embarrassing <laughs> and horrible. If one other person tells me about the human element, the human element is for the players to do stuff, not the officiation of the game. No, the arbiters of the game are supposed to call it correctly. No, well, it's human error. No, the human error is errors that the players make. There should be no framing because the umpire shouldn't be be influenced. Yeah, (laughs) there shouldn't be framing for a couple reasons. One, Wellington Castillo and Wilson Contreras are two of the worst in baseball. Want to thank our guest, uh, but you don't hate him. Uh, Dan Shonka, Jesse Rogers, Rick Kempfer. Yeah, and thanks, Eric Ostrowski. I'll be back tomorrow for a couple hours to Lots of baseball. We'll recap the Cubs game. The Sox didn't don't play today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Have a wonderful weekend with your family. And see you later, everybody.